higher. Just putting on. What's a, going in the microwave? Eh? What's this? A, win- a winter pims. I'm very sorry. <laughs> is that this kind? Is that what this podcast is? Winter pims. Winter winter pims. Do you remember the last time I drank? You're pims? the son. No, I'm not. Because I've got bad. I've got bad memories of it. The last time I had pims. No, no, no. Last time I had it, my mate, who I've spoke to you about before, but I won't mention his name, he shat all over my bedroom. <laughs> and I woke up to find, like, massive amounts of shit all over my bedroom because he drank a bottle, a bottle and a half of Pims. And like, he just lo- he thought that my bed was a toilet. And he sat on the end of my bed and took a shit onto my bedroom floor. And then my mum and dad had to help me clear up a load of shit the next day. It was harrowing. Yeah. One of my one of my like worst memories from being a kid is when my dad got home like wasted from a night out. He was probably younger than I am now, and apparently pissed in the washing basket. Yeah. <laughs> he just thought it was the toilet. That's that's all that happened. Yeah, this is exactly what happened here. I think, but that happens quite a lot. Yeah, I'll tell you the um, the full story at some other point. Now is probably not the time to do it, but it was. Fucking awful! Like, Amazing. I just remember the smell it was just ah, oh. yeah. And then we were at a fe- oh, he did it again when we were at a festival that summer. Mm. Like it was ah, oh, it was awful. Oh. So oh, I won't be drinking any pims as a result of that. Good luck, JP. He, I think he just popped in the toilet. Oh. What are you drinking yourself? Uh, I've got a shipyard IPA and I've got a Shepherd Neiman Co. India Pale Ale. Somebody got. I've got a couple of these for Christmas. So I don't know where who's selling them, but they seem to be popular in my uh, secret Santa in work and uh, presents my relatives gave me. Is it like a Northwest based like brewery or something? I'm just looking now. Shepherd Neiman Co. I think the podcast might have started there. Uh, where is it? <laughs> no, it says imported Australia. Oh, okay. Yeah. What have you got going on your end? Um, I've got a, um, well, it's just a brew dog, grapefruit, Elvis juice, grapefruit inf- infused IPA, which was very nice. It's 6. 6.5%, so yeah. Brew dog, quite... nice, and, nice and punk rock. Oh, uh, mate, I'm all about the corporate punk rock, me, you know me. <laughs> <laughs> I've joined in on that as well with a Brewdog dead pony. We should be saving this for the start, shouldn't we? I, I think it started, to be honest, JP. I wasn't going to do a big start anyway. Should we just, should we just go? Why the fuck not? Why, Why not? not? I was going to make a joke there about non-progress commitments. I don't know if either of you saw the... Uh, did you see the, the, the thing they put out about uh, dates for the rest of the year? No. Uh, they put like a, one of their email like uh, blasts that they, th- they throw out. Like They'd said something already. But it was about the fact that they haven't got any northern shows planned in the first quarter of the year, um, and they were, they basically they kept wording it throughout the statement, something like, "Oh yeah, we uh, we need to wait to see what happens with our non-progress commitments, and we have yes. to move that show in January because of our non-progress commitments, which uh, in January is clearly uh, access uh, the week before the Rumble, uh, which was is the same weekend as the Progress Jan- January show." Yeah, non-progress okay. commitments. If the if the if the title of the show wasn't Ask Rev Joe, it would be non-progress commitments. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know those non-progress commitments are far more important, aren't they? 
<laughs> it's amazing how they've managed to think of a what term can we use to not say we're working for WWE that weekend? Non-progress commitments. It's like we all know what you're talking about, but you've yeah. managed to almost brand that as well. Yeah, like, no. I thought of you when I saw it. I thought of Glenn Joseph's commentary. Like, I appreciate them being somewhat honest, but that just sounds like what you were saying about Glenn trying to shovel in these references and these catchphrases. Yeah. Like, at this moment in time, we need, we need like, a CM Punk figure. Get some fucking pipe bombs on the go. Like, you're working for WWE that weekend. We all know it. Just say it. You're a pair of fucking, well, you're a trio of fucking fanboys. Like, just admit it. Come on. That's just the perfect way to start the, the most problematic podcast of the year. Let's uh, start as we mean to go on. We've got like, this is going to be a Q&A podcast for anyone uh, tuning in for the first time. Hashtag AskRevJoe is the, is the call up or out on Twitter. Uh, your mate Kieran uh, invented that and we've got so <laughs> many responses. Like, it's ridiculous. Well, I got lots of, I got a couple of DMs as well of uh, people who wanted to remain anonymous with their questions and I've definitely got a lot of problematic questions a lot of questions about the progress owners uh all our favorite subjects are, are in there and covered you haven't looked have you joe I, I haven't seen a thing i've been incredibly busy all christmas i've hardly had a chance to stop breathe and you know reflect on the whole christmas period let's say so twitter and me you know we're no longer <laughs> a partnership we divorced a while ago and things haven't you know come back together you know i've not worked at anything with twitter i've just said fuck it goodbye to twitter so no i've not seen a thing that's gone on there i've oh. truly blocked twitter out of my life we've actually got some questions about that about you blocking twitter out of your life um okay but i am wondering yeah how, how was your christmas jp did you spend it much with the kids and stuff was uh was it i did I did, yeah, yeah. Uh, hello, everyone. Merry Christmas. <laughs> I I did a. Uh, I was with them, sort of like uh, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, um, which is really nice. They're teenage boys, though, so they're sort of happy. They get up early. Mm. That's chitter. But at the same time, there isn't the kind of wonderful joy you had when they were like sort of four or five years old. It's much more of a sort of. Uh, serious affair these days like all right here's your ridiculously expensive air max trainers i had to get my teenage son because he's now decided he needs to impress people which air max did he get oh i i can't remember because i'm an air max one and air max 90s sort of guy but air max 95s i don't get on with right it's it's feels like it's one of the more retro air max air max 7 which were the 97 release have come out again recently as a re-release and i hated them as a kid but I kind of think they look a little bit cool now, I've got to say. I saw Trent Seven wearing a pair. I'll take, I'll take your word for it, okay. but I just paid for half of it, like <laughs> with, with an element of bitterness. How much were they? Uh, they were £80. How old is he, 14? Yeah. And he's getting 80 quid trainers at 14? Don't, don't get me started. Mate, you're <laughs> Don't. It, 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 it sounds easy in hindsight, and for any parents listening, you think... you. It, there's a horrible process, and you know it's wrong. If I was you getting going with it. at 80 quid at 14, God. This is, but it's also a contribution as well of some grandparents' money that also okay, went into okay, it as well. Okay. But I paid, a, I paid enough. You paid and also, than... I got him other... There were other presents as well. Do you get anything good? I got a Shinsuke Nakamura autobiography. Oh, yeah. I did. Who I got, got a pair of uh, slippers. Uh the mother of the kid, of my kids, 
Wow. It's very great. Good. Very yeah. good. Very nice. happy with that. Um, I got a couple of like nice framed pictures that the, the kids had done before. That was really nice. Got that from my girlfriend. Um, got a lot of Ferrero Rocher, which <laughs> I don't know about you, Benno. I don't know about you, Joe, but that stuff is like fucking crack. Crack I could about. eat it all day. I've eaten them. Oh, yeah. Of course I've eaten them. There was a day to myself and I went, I'm going hell for leather on this. So I did. Nice. Yeah, our house is kind of full of chocolates and food and leftovers from Christmas. So I, I kind of got lots of grown-up presents. I got a coat. I, I got a new. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. I got actually. I did. I mentioned to you before we started recording. JP, I got a new pair of wireless headphones that are mainly yes. used for. Everything I got was kind of like it, it's more about practicality. As you get older, it's one of those things. Isn't yeah, it? mine was as well. I've, Embrace I've a, it, mate. It's beautiful. Well, I was thinking about you know when you're saying there about your, your kids. I've got a, a little brother who's. A little bit older than your lads. He's 16 in March. And he was... Like, I never see him. Because at this point, he just doesn't leave his bed. He lives with his mum. He doesn't leave his bedroom ever. Um, but I got him, like, literally, like, the most 2018 presents. He wanted Steam credit. So literally at, like, one in the morning, on Christmas Eve night slash Christmas Day morning, I just went on to Steam and transferred him some credit. And he was happy with that. And I got a message back saying thanks. How Christmassy is that? <laughs> Oh, the spirit of Christmas is well and truly alive in your family, Benno, isn't it? <laughs> That's alive. what life has come to. Um, oh, but, my God. But, yeah, I got nothing better than that. I got a little AJ Styles figure as well. That's pretty cool. It's taking uh, pride of place in my uh, podcast corner. I got an AJ Styles figure on my uh, desk at work, actually. Nice that like the Brock Lesnar one got me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's next to a John Terry figure that the students bought me because I went on a rant one day about how much I hate John Terry. And they went out <laughs> and bought me a John Terry figure because it was a great laugh. Yeah, that's there as well. Still there. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so was that, my... was that... Sorry, oh, go on. I was just going to say, just... Yeah, on my desk I've got a big sting bobblehead kind of thing that I got in like the mid-2000s before he came back to Dubai and it was like 50p um, in a newsagent somewhere randomly. I've got a little Hulk Hogan figure, problematic, I know. I've got a Brock, I've got a Taker, <laughs> and I've got an AJ. Oh, and I've got me a uh, WrestleCon gambling, not WrestleCon, Wrestle, Wrestle and MediaCon gambling chip. That's kind of uh, the collection I've got on my desk. I've got a Daniel Bryan toy up in my front room, along mm. with a few Simpsons toys, but that's the only wrestling toy. That's the only one allowed. There's a few toys in my son's room of that ring I bought from. It was uh, like a, a house clearance sale. And somebody was selling four figures, which were Triple H, The Rock, Austin, and Dolph Ziggler, and Cena is in there. All the as big well. stars, all the big stars, and Dolph Ziggler. Um, <laughs> and I got that. But there's loads is that of you buying a wrestling ring for your sons that you really you were buying for yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's always been like that. I bought, I bought my youngest a. It's an illustrated history of wrestling. Mm. In graphic novel form, including a section on the four pillars of all Japan. I'm not, wow. I shit you not. It's wow. incredible. Got to teach him. He young. actually he read a bit. It's, it starts off with Gotch and Hackenschmidt, and goes through all throughout history. Did you buy it from this Christmas? Yeah. My God, what I'll give you credit for is you are a workhorse. <laughs> Seriously, you haven't given up, have you? No. No. Like wow. You've seen it, Ben. I torture those lads with wrestling. That's it. You got it's one. It's going to go either way. This though, JP, you're going to create a couple of smart marks, or they're going to hate wrestling and never follow it again. Like I, I tried with my little brother to get him into wrestling. He was massively into Sheamus for some reason for a little period, but he kind of grew out of it. Maybe it was the Sheamus thing, but you never know. Maybe you'll win one of the two. You can win one of them battles. 
I'll take I'll take that. I'm, I'm happy to sa- sacrifice one of my children at the god of wrestling. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, well, I'm going to crack a beer open anyway, and we'll uh, we'll get into some of our questions. I've got a progress bottle open here as well. I didn't mention that with my uh, with my wrestling toys on my desk. Uh, it was bought to me as a gift. I didn't pay for it. Honest. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm drinking Winter Pims out of a, a an oh, incredibly problematic cup. That's got both Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior on it. So you took off homophobia and racism right there, right? Right there, oh, yeah. with a win- with a with a Winter Pims in there as well, which is just probably classist in some regard, isn't what, it? What do you think the Hulk would make a Winter Pims? He'd drink it, brother. No, he'd be drinking Miller Lights or ice cold Modellos. Oh, He's a big fan of them. Have you seen his Twitter <laughs> where he talks about that? I've seen that all the Rock ever talks about is tequila, but I think that's because he's got his own tequila brand. Yeah. Oh, has he? Well, I've not yeah, seen Hogan like... going on about beer. Well, Clooney had one, and was selling. They sold that company for like a billion. Tequila. Tequila, yeah. Tequila company. Oh, I can't stand tequila. Well, there's money in that there. Tequila, I just think though. of Football Factory when it comes to tequila. <laughs> when <laughs> Danny Dyer and Rod are at the bar, like cut the tequilas and Dawn from EastEnders <laughs> is across the bar, and he goes over and has a one night stand with Dawn from EastEnders and wakes up to a quick cricket bat. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> it's bit. amazing what a couple of cheaty tequilas can do for you. Yeah. What what beer are you drinking, Benno? I was just saying then. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a nice IPA. Yeah, uh, Shepherd Naming Co. Uh, I've got a shipyard IPA as well. Typical stuff, really. Uh, nothing too exciting. You lads in your craft brewery yeah. stuff, you love all that, don't you? Your craft beers. Well, I'm not. I a... just drink Guinness if I can get away with it and cider. I've seen you drinking some cheap shit before. Yeah. Strongbow. Yeah. Dark fruit. Nah. Yeah. Nah. It wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't see me dead with a can of Strongbow. The I official think... drink of Wolverhampton, then. <laughs> Uh, yeah, fruit strongbow. As much as I'm a beer snob, like we got one of our questions we've got is about like what our favourite beers are. I'm not really a, I'm not particularly fussy as long as it's not Carling or really Carlsberg or Foster's. I'll take any pills there, any IPA, any wheat beer. I'm not sure about the Pims. Um, I wouldn't go that far. I'm not a size of mine either, but you know, I, I'm a snob, but not that bad a snob. I'm a proper snob, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, You're you looking down snob. on my beer choices, there, Joe. What's that? You're looking down on my beer choices? I wouldn't say I'm looking down on them at all. Um, I would definitely drink what you're drinking, Benno. But yeah, yeah. there are a lot of lagers. I can't drink lager anymore. Even mm. sort of more crafty style lager, I find really hard to drink. I find mm. that I get very bloated when I, whenever I drink lager. Um, and this beer movement that's currently going on was what mm. I wanted and spoke about when I was 18. And you know, everything I wanted at 18 has kind of happened, you know, got myself a, a fiance, <laughs> <laughs> got myself some, a great independent British wrestling scene, um, got myself. Is that what you wanted? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> at 18, wanted gr- great beer because the beer that I used to have to drink was shite because it was a choice of like Foster's, Carlin, oh, uh, Stella and the best was probably a Cronenberg on tap in most that, of a local that fancy foreign and... stuff Cronenberg I remember those days yeah. yeah and a couple of years ago we had a great Southampton side who you know back in the premiership were finishing in sixth place hmm. you know things are getting better I think under Ralph Hassenhuttle but <laughs> it was good for a while so basically everything I wanted when I was 18 I kind of got so Let's hope that carries on forever. <laughs> well, let's <laughs> let's tie that into the the questions we've got. Then uh, I was asked to ask this first to kind of set the tone um, by a good friend of the podcast, 
let's start with a wrestling question lads what's your best era of wrestling like what's the like a promotion and a year what's like the year that sums up wrestling for you or is the like with me i've got a few oh i've got a few the one that immediately comes to mind is wcw in 1992 oh yeah um that's kind of the one that i remember being so heavily into I was aware of wrestling in the 80s and I'd seen the videotapes of sort of WrestleMania 1 and WrestleMania 2, but there was something about WCW on ITV and then, um, yeah, seeing that just being kind of blown blown away by that as an era. Mm. Oh, God, I suppose the, the t- 1997 is kind of inevitable as well Yeah, to bring like, up. I think we've said before in the podcast, haven't we, for me, 1997 is the year when I do think WWE was WWF was firing, mm. WCW was firing, and ECW hadn't gone shit yet. That was kind of the uh, WCW hadn't gone shit yet for that matter as well. That's kind of my favourite year. I think that plus like the and Joe might agree as well. Ring of Honor two thousand four to two thousand six, the CM Punk Samoa Joe homicide, somewhat Loki era. Uh, that's probably by as a fan probably the most engaged I've been um, that as well as nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, no, I'm completely with you on Ring of Honor. I think that's an era that I need to go back and relive at some point. But yeah, time-wise, you know, it's mm. quite tough. So maybe when me and you retire, as we mentioned before, Benno, give it 35 years, or if we're ever able to retire, let's get rid of that Tory fucking government, um, <laughs> first of all. Then, you know, maybe we can retire at some point. But mm. that's something I'd love to go back and relive, definitely. Mm. I'd even take it further. I'd go to 2007 because you got mm. the McGuinness-Danielson feud that continued through 2007, which was a kind of defining feud for sort of my fandom of independent wrestling and my fandom of those two guys. Another era I'd mention as well, a big one for me, is WWE 2000 through to yes. WrestleMania 17, I think yeah. is, uh, you know, mm. it's it probably been covered so much. Um, is that the last time funny. it was good? Is that the last time WWE was good? Because I, I would kind of, I would, I would offer that as an argument. I, I can't think of another period since then where I go, oh, WWE was good then. As a whole, I would say yeah. There mm. have been moments in storylines, like I think that say like the Jericho Michaels feud in two thousand eight is one of the greatest feuds ever. True. I remember really being into some of the Edge feuds around sort of two thousand six seven as well. But uh, there are a lot of other stuff, a lot of other bits and pieces on cards that were just absolute shite, that were just pure Vince mm. rubbish. Mm. But in terms of like everyone being over, crowds being up, booking being consistent, probably, yeah, probably mm. the last time it was like the promotion of the year, I would mm. say, was 2000. Perfect, Perfect Storm, wasn't Bruce. it? Russo left, the booking started to make a bit more sense. Like, I loved Russo's... I did actually love Russo's early stuff in, like, 97, but I hate 98, 99, WWF. That was not for me. But 2000, when he'd gone, and then when you had the influx of the work, great guys, you know, which, obviously, people doing a podcast like this are going to be into, when the likes mm. of, you know, Benoit, Jericho, Guerrero, etc., were mixing it up, too. It was, like, the perfect storm, wasn't it? Um, and you're loved, the young guy... Sorry, mate. I was going to say, I love the evolution era as well. That was, like, a three-month period that I was big into when they were trying to get Shelton Benjamin out Shelton yeah. Benjamin over as like the big baby face but that wasn't like a full year thing that wasn't a full era thing like I think 2000 has got 
Yeah, Raw 2004 was actually pretty good TV. You got good matches on TV. You got Shawn Michaels on TV every week having good matches. Christian was really coming into his own at that point as well, I think. You had a really good mix of mid-card guys. Benoit was having good matches on TV every week as well. Evolution were there. I think the Triple H Batista feud is one of my favourite feuds ever in terms of pure storytelling as well. That was a great slow burn, kind of slow build feud as well that we got out of that. Mm. Um, And I think that's often forgotten because both of them are quite unfashionable as kind of talent for people in our Mm. kind of, I suppose, um, kind of subculture to kind of like in a sense. Um, Mm. Yeah, so I get what you're saying on that one. so as other eras, I think All Japan from 90 to 94 is another great era of wrestling as well. Seeing kind of um, the development of Kabashi, Misawa going over Saruta, Saruta transitioning out of wrestling as well. Then some great gaijin coming in like Steve Williams, Terry Gordy, Hanson still being there as well, playing a pivotal role during that period. I think that's an absolutely amazing era where we saw some of the greatest matches of all time. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Misawa Kawada match was 94 that everyone raves about as well. And I think when I started watching that era of All Japan, my eyes were open to something that I'd never even... Mm-hmm. Like the way the wrestling's booked, the way the matches are worked, I'd never even considered how you could work in that way before. I'd seen all the influence in terms of spots, in terms of offense, in Ring of Honor... But watching them in context, sort of watching them happen, watching it unfold over a period of time, that was something that really opened my eyes and really had a real impact on my style. Sorry, on my tastes, if anything. Mm. I also think as well, we're living in a kind of, well, we've just, have we lived, have we just gone through this? We'll find out on January 4th. (laughs) But kind of the great new Japan golden age. The Okada Tanahashi into now yeah. kind of thing. It's whether you count, but are we still in that era? Are we still in the Okada Tanahashi? Are we still in that like? I, is 2013 the same era as now, or are we out of it? I think we'll. Well, actually, I say the fourth. I think we'll find out on the fifth because mm. at that point, by the fifth, we'll have an idea of booking direction going into the new beginning shows. What kind of cards are going to be on there? What kind of cards are they going to put on in the US as well? What who's going to be leaving? Because it seems inevitable that somebody will be. You know that a few people will be leaving, but which ones? Mm. And we don't know that. But in terms of going back to the the kind of that New Japan era, you think of, of the amazing matches that we have had. It's been in, try and think how many five star matches would they normally put on a year mm. in New Japan, or even stuff if we're going by star rating, four and a half stars. Well, that, it feels almost endless. Well, you think about that Osprey Tanahashi against Golden Lovers yeah. match of the week. That would have been match of the year some years. You look yeah. back at match of the years that you would have had over previous years. I could see that winning easily. I, I rewatched um, Ishii Omega from G1 the other week mm. and was like, fuck me, that was absolutely incredible. I thought at the time, mm. I then looked at my match of the year list. And it's like fifth on my yeah. list. Yeah. It's like... In so many other years, that's a match of the year. Like, it's crazy what New Japan think, have done to work right star the last few years. Mm. I think in general, the G1 throws off kind of your, your match of the year ballad, doesn't it? Because I was talking about this with some of my mates, and it's like, I love that Pentagon Sammy Callahan match from earlier in the year. Oh, I, yeah. I would love to put that in my top 10, but I can't honestly say there weren't 10 better matches in the G1. Now, if you pin me down and ask me which 10 matches, I'd struggle without my notes because the other problem with the G1 is it can be a bit of a blur, can't it? You can easily forget yeah. stuff and things can kind because of, it all happens so thick and fast, it can kind of meld. I almost want to 
listen back to our podcasts back from the time just to remind myself of you know the the stuff i love just that more than the other stuff because there was so much great stuff there that if you made a a top 10 just from the g1 you couldn't really argue with it no i think you're completely right and i've been re-watching little bits and pieces when i've had a chance i've had a busy christmas period but just before i rewatched mm. uh ishi abushi as well and then omega yes. um, ishi back to back and both of those matches are different level mm. like ishi in both matches puts in a completely different performance but in many ways the performance is similar if that makes any sense like he works two completely different styles of match on different nights and has two completely diverse matches that are both absolutely incredible and it's one of those things for me where we spoke about on our end of the year podcast about say Walter as one of the rest of the year and it's where for me Walter isn't the rest of the year because his best high-end matches have been the same formula that he has employed but nothing wrong with but Mm. you look at a guy like Ishii and how he changes it up night in night out someone like Ibushi as well who does the same thing you look at the diversity you say Ibushi, Ishii and Zack Sabre Jr's G1s this year different level in terms of what they're able to do with variety opponents definitely we're we're in the golden work rate era if we can think of that Hmm. we might even think of this european wrestling boom as being an era in and of itself Hmm. before it becomes mad max fury road yeah i think we'll look back at progress and rev pro wxw during this period not progress this year Mm. Uh, but probably progress up until sort of 2016 mm. is a great a great era as well, and something that we look back on fondly and probably through probably through slightly rose tinted glasses. But mm. I think it deserves that because it brought so much attention to this scene. They gave so many guys a platform to perform as well. The storylines were very good at times. The atmosphere at the shows was excellent. I think they also brought a different dynamic to wrestling shows. Mm. Wrestling shows became more sociable. They became more sort of party-like as well. You go there and you have a few beers, and it was like you were at, a, you were at the Electric Ballroom. You were at a famous gig venue, nightclub. And then you get the evolution. That was, say, Fight Club Pro that went that one step further. And it gave a different dynamic to a wrestling show. It made wrestling shows kind of cool events to attend. Whereas previously, when you were attending a wrestling event in a gymnasium that was half full with a really high roof and you could see the basketball nets and the six-a-side goals in the background, (laughs) and you were seeing cans of Pepsi being sold for 40p a pop and some kids with some fruit shoots, you kind of think, God, this is bleak. (laughs) But progress changed the aesthetic. Definitely, it kind of made it. It was, I mean, it's a crap tagline, but when they used to go by, it's wrestling for grown-ups. That's kind of mm. a, a niche that they tapped into. I know Rev Pro was already in that space, but you know, it, it's kind of yeah, they've they did it in a professional way that you never got from US Indies. Like we just talked about Wrestler of the Year, and we're talking about you know, you're talking about Osprey, you're talking about Walter, you're talking about Zack Saber Jr., you're talking about the, who from the US Indies are you really talking about in that conversation? And I think a lot of that goes to mm-hmm. the fact that our Indies are so much better marketed, so much better presented, despite, you know, the issues that Progress have had these these last two years. Like the when Progress came came around, like their presentation and the way they shoot their shows, even though I don't always love the five to seven days editing, blows out of the water anything the US Indies has, has been doing these last ten years. Look at the venues Evolve run and look at the mm. electric ballroom. Yeah. Evolve runs run the cheapest, shabbiest, 
most unpresentable venues and that's not something that really exists in british wrestling at the mo- mm. this moment in time with the kind of you know the the promotions that are higher up on the scale um mm. whereas evolve would probably be along with uh, ring of honor aren't really in india at this point are they but evolve are probably the highest level us indie along with say pwg and uh, aaw and you look at those evolve venues and they're an embarrassment absolute yeah. embarrassment yeah, indeed um, I should probably start asking some more questions because we've gone <laughs> half an hour. We only answered one. Sorry. We'll be here all night. <laughs> you know what we're like. <laughs> I did wonder. That. It's, that it's the high I'm on from the fact that I think <laughs> Liverpool might win the league and not Man City. Oh, don't. I fucking don't. hate Man City. Oh, Liverpool are never winning the league. Come on, City are too good. They've had a bad couple of de- they've had a bad couple of games, but they'll be back. I wouldn't worry about it. Mate, I've gone into this podcast walking on, walking on. On with hope in my heart and i'll never walk alone you know <laughs> well you're off the podcast you're gone <laughs> yeah <laughs> arsenal fan I had to sit through that tonight of just this absolute mercy killing in just think about me. it as a bit of martyrdom do you want city to win the league do you want like oh, the most oh. boring pedantic no. pedestrian great football you've ever seen like yeah. i find man city the most boring side to watch I, i'm so bored by the pep guardiola style the it's, amazon documentary is good there's no there's not there's no imperfection to the style i haven't seen it yet like the, to me the Beauty in football is via imperfection. There's no imperfection in that Pep Guardiola style. I hated that Barcelona side with an absolute passion. I stopped watching the Liga during that point. Klopp, give me that bloke any day over the likes of Guardiola. Yeah, he's worked me with his style and the way he acts on the touchline. He got me at Dortmund of all his heavy metal football stuff and his references to great metal bands. But, man, if Liverpool win the league, I'm not a Liverpool fan, I will be a very, very happy man. It'll be the happiest I've been for a league title in a long time. Fuck Man City. Oh, Christ. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> right. Moving on. Let's go to... Uh, <laughs> let's get through these questions. We've got a million. Um, let's start with the creator of the hashtag AskRevJo uh, hashtag. Uh, Kieran Keynes, a uh, good friend of the show, a good friend of you two. He asked, could Schnaudenfreunder be referred to as NWO Wolfsbach? <laughs> I, I think yeah. I'm hoping it's better than what NWA Wolfpack end up but yeah you can go with that Wolf, Wolfpack's it's a good pun I like that <laughs> yeah, yeah I think I think they should be going for that it would work it could it could be better, was... better than the way you, better than the elite and the firing squad trying to do NWA Black and White versus NWA Wolfpack um, and and fucking Tamatonga trying to start feuds with what culture what? That doesn't exist anymore. It's not even what culture anymore, is it? Yeah, that's a yeah. thing. That's oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Of course, because the main guy's left for Cultaholic. This is like the left behind. Yeah, he's doing like a a meet and greet at his new WrestleMania. I mean, it's a Bullet Club meet and greet. But if you're going to go to that thing to meet the NWO Black and White era of the Bullet Club, then surely there must be better things to do that weekend. Yeah, exactly. In terms of pointless feuds of the year, that one is a, a cracking light entry into the mix. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, like if you're in Jim, if WrestleMania is in Jim Fort, Pennsylvania, yeah, there's not going to be a lot to do. It's in New York. Been there. Like, come on, there's plenty to do. Wolves Pack, though, I like it. <laughs> it works. Uh, question for you then, Joe, from Liam. Uh, this is Liam on Twitter. Top five EastEnders angles. Hashtag Ask Reb Joe. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> Put you on the spot there, Joe. 
Angles, right. Number one, what sticks out? The um, Phil Mitchell Grant fallout in, like, what, 98? Mm. Or was it 99? When um, they're in the car together and uh, Phil discovers that Grant slept with Kathy and he goes along to that big, uh, like, job they're doing with a gun and he's trying to shoot him in the car and the car ends up in the Thames by the Millennium Yeah, I remember this. That was an angle and a half. God, that was good. And it led to the departure of... The great Ross Kemp as well. <laughs> Five, like, off the top of my head. Um, <coughs> number two, a big fan of... Um, that wasn't... A, well, I was alive, but I was about three at the time. But I think um, Nick Cotton, when he was um, trying to poison Dot, saw it on UK Gold back in the day. That was a classic angle as well, you know. Put some sympathy on Dot. <laughs> got Cotton over as a major, major heel. Oh, we've got like, a Doc Cotton question later. Okay. Like Nick Cotton might be <coughs> the biggest heel in the history of EastEnders. Did he mm. ever have any sympathetic moments as a baby face? No. And when he did, he was kind of lulling people into that um, yeah. false sense of kind of belief as what well. You, uh, what do you make of his comeback, Joe? What do you make of the second run? Cotton, he's had many runs, hasn't he? Um, well, like he was run... supposed to be dead and he came back, that particular one. That was like oh, a, that a big was, comeback. That was a classic. When he, I got back from Berlin, I remember, on a Friday, and it was Halloween. Mm. And uh, me and my girlfriend got back to her house, we living with her parents at the time. And uh, I heard he was coming back, and I remember he walks in and he cracked out the. Happy Halloween, Ma! And it was like, oh, what a way to get back from a great holiday with a bit of Nick Cotton. But I think that must have been about his fifth or sixth run. There was the one where he turned up with um, Dotty on Christmas Day as well and uh, managed to fool Dot that he had some daughter or something. And, oh, that was great as well. What a character. Who did he murder? Because that was a hell of an angle. Like Reg that. Cox in the first ever episode. No, 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 no. In the square. Wasn't that Reg... Oh, he murdered someone in the square. He was... murdered someone in the square, didn't he? Um, a few years it... back, and they didn't know who didn't know who had done it, and it was him. Was that in the late 80s? Was that... It wasn't... No, no, we're talking... That's more of a recent one, isn't it? That's like one of his... I want to say early 2000s. Mm. Something like that. He, he cut um, the brakes on Mark Fowler's bike. <laughs> friend of the show. A um, proper bus. <laughs> and his... His son drove the bike, didn't he? And he crashed, oh, yeah. he crashed it into the laundrette. Yeah. Why am I laughing? It, he stole his bike. <laughs> Ashley. Ashley. Ash. As uh, Dot used to say. Yeah, there was that run as well. That was a good cotton run. Because De- that led to him spiking Martin Fowler's drink, getting on a couple of e-tablets as mm. well, I remember. Den and Angie was a cracking angle uh, for back in the day. But then Den Watt's second run, I think, what was a big disappointment. To be it was a big it. disappointment. I'm trying to give it, think of the wrestling analogy of where this would work. Feels almost very Goldberg-esque, but that doesn't work at all for no, the cause... times. It's 85, so there should be some WWF <laughs> analogy. Goldberg was a lot better. I think was it like was... Orndorff? Could it have been bigger than what it was? I, I mean, it was massive for the day. Drew a big house. It was a bit Batista. 20 million viewers. A bit Batista-like. Like, Batista's second run when he came back for that mania to face all and didn't really work jeans. out. Yeah, oh, he was yeah. good. But they got rid of him early. Dem Watts had, had a wank on a webcam. It was all over the front page of the tabloids. <laughs> He was out of there early, got knocked over the head with the um, Queen Vic bus by Chrissy Watts, who I always thought was quite fit. Um, Sorry to anyone who doesn't like that sort of comment. I (laughs) apologise about a few. If he had a Uh, wank on a a webcam, then surely he's the Charlie Sterling of EastEnders. (laughs) Fuck me, we'd have to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Allegedly. 
Um, oh. I, how many angles have I had so far? I'm trying to think of another one. Um, I was a big fan of the angle where David Wicks and Bianca were, were when he, she found out he was the um, uh, dad when she was trying to seduce him, and he was like all tetchy about like pulling this young girl because she was his daughter. That was a weird. It's a good reason well. to be tetchy, in fairness. Isn't <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Um, oh, Ian Bill getting shot by Cindy and David Wicks setting it all up. <laughs> that, that was a classic. Um, how many hours you got? What about Janine killing Barry? Oh, that was a good one. I was, I was at someone's house on New Year's Eve, and we were watching that, and we all started going mad when Barry fell down that Off hill. the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> Janine also... was a great heel, got to be honest. Like, as far as heels go when he's done this, she was very good. Uh, it's amazing that Frank Butcher managed to spawn a hill like that as well, isn't it, really? Charlie Brooker wrote about a group of children were shown that scene out of context. Uh, they were kind of shown it out of context. And they said that um, he watched a documentary and said that Janine had killed Barry for his sweets. <laughs> Just pushed him down. So I throw that in there. Doesn't mean anything. I think one of my favourite angles was the real life angle where Sid Owen, Ricky Butcher, departed EastEnders and thought he'd go into the uh, pop world and release the great single cover version of that uh, 70s song. Good thing going, which I recommend having a look at the video of that because that was a classic. And I saw him at um, Southampton Power in the Park, circa year 2000. Oh. Remember, because it was during Euro 2000, and he was performing live there. Free entry as well. So Sid Owen belting a few tunes out. Um, great summer. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm uh, talking shite. Is that us on five? It's close enough. Any other uh, yeah, let's move on. <laughs> okay, uh, next question. Let me get it up. Uh, Wrestling-based question, unfortunately. Uh, this is from Adam Whitehead. Who do you think will be the Progress Champions this time next year? Hmm. <laughs> will Progress still be alive this time <laughs> next year? Well, they might be. have other non-Progress commitments. Or That's... Whatever the branding was. Yeah. I, th- I think Ilya. I think Ilya will be the champion. I think that's probably the direction mm-hmm. they're going to go. Uh, it depends. On, I think for me, it depends on how much they use Ilya in NXT UK. Um, yeah. Whether he can offer something different as progress champion. I could also see Walter just holding onto the belt that entire time. That's not a, not impossible either. Um, we did on our best of show, didn't we? Likely unlikely we were talking about that, but... Chances of Chuck Mambo being a progress champion. I can't see him being world mm. champion, but... Fuck me. Imagine Walter to Chuck Mambo. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a that would be a leap, wouldn't it? Yeah. In terms of transitions, that's... I, weirdly, okay, I'll go, compl- I'll go slightly left field this time next year. If I was going to pick someone mm. who I think could be their star by the, the this time next year, stri- Spike Trevay. Mm. Yeah, I could see Trevay. I could see it. enough character-based stuff being able to really get over, mm. get some nuclear heat. Or if you're Scroobius Pip, David Moser or Body Guy Roy Johnson. Mm. That's a weed book in there. <laughs> the two best indie wrestlers who are uh, truly independent around, yeah? That could make sense. Yeah, and Scroobius Pip getting the big gigs, like appearing on a Tommy Cooper documentary on Christmas Day on Channel 5 that my dad was watching. <laughs> what was that about? Unbelievable. He was on scraping the barrel there. <laughs> I had to explain to my dad who he was. I mean, I was like, oh, I'm getting lost how, here. How did like, you describe it? What did you say? 
my brother was there as well, and I was sort of telling him about how he's at all these wrestling shows that we go to, and then me and my brother got into a conversation about his recent Damon Moser um, love and his <laughs> thoughts about the other lot or the other guys or whatever it he was. He really and... knows his MMA, though, as well, doesn't he? And that's, that's the thing. If he sticks on that... If he knows anything... All... He knows about MMA, he knows about Moser and Body Guy, and he knows about the Japanese guys. So, you know, he's an expert in that. <laughs> and Tommy that Cooper. <laughs> that too, yeah. Um, any, any guesses for who would be the Progress Tag Team Champions this time next year? Mambo and Eva. I could see it being someone like that, yeah, like a mid-card heel act. Yep. Mm. I could, I, it depends what they go in all in with this faction on. And I suppose, ultimately, in a sort of bigger picture... Do they book around people who aren't NXT UK regulars? Mm. And then that leads to the question that I'm thinking, which is, will NXT UK be a thing by this time well, next it's year? Like, it's like them using Dan Maloney in the Atlas uh, division on that last show. Like, I was mm. convinced, the last Manchester show, I was convinced that was because oh. Dan Maloney was a WWE guy, but I've heard rumour, again, allegedly, that he hasn't got a WWE contract anymore. Um so I wonder whether you could see guys like that. Maybe they've got nothing to do in in NXT UK, and they just give them something to do in Progress. No, I'd be all right with that. Yeah, it'd be nice to see Maloney get out there a little bit more. I think he's, you know, not he was he's solid. He's not been out there enough for the last couple of years. As a heel, not as a white meat baby. Yeah, face like no, that, I agree. Go back to that Mike Tyson look he was sporting about a year ago. That was a cracking look. But um, tag team champions, Coffee Brothers. There's there's my shot on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Quality heel unit like those two. Oh, good God. Of thick bastards. Well, the other, I mean, I suppose the other question is, uh, was Atlas and women champion for Atlas? If we're going Coffee Brothers, surely it's going to be Wolfgang. Or To be honest, actually, I think my bet is the Atlas belt doesn't exist by then. Uh, women's belt, Ginny or Tony Storm, one of the two, surely. It'll still uh, be Laura Di Matteo, the worst book division. You know what? I'm going to go on a bit of a rant here. <laughs> I saw something the other day. I don't have Twitter. I'd never go on there. But my brother alerted me to Dan Reed's tweets about um, lack of coverage by podcasts regarding the women's division. You know mm. what? I spoke about that on the podcast we did and spoke about it. It was a real shame we didn't get to speak about more women's, women's wrestling because women's independent wrestling really wasn't that good last year. Um, and one of the problems with that is the big companies – aren't promoting women's independent wrestling very well. Mm. Progress aren't presenting it very well because it's the Ginny division, right? It's the match two division. And, yeah, and it's constant crap, and they're not thinking about uh, some of the female wrestlers who can bring some work rate to their cars. They're just going, right, women's match, everyone in. Let's cram eight people into this in some way, even if they're on the outside in like really kind of revealing dresses and high heels, being catty, let's mm. say. Um, rather than actually thinking about why women's wrestling wasn't covered on those shows, it felt like it was an attack on podcasts who were covering wrestling in the year. Think about how the big companies, the prominent independent companies in the UK, have actually presented women's wrestling this year. RevPro have struggled a little bit, partly because of the WWE stuff impacting on the people that they were booking. Mm. That's one of the issues there, most definitely. Well, it's more of an inordinate. There's there's nine NXT UK female um wrestlers that they have exactly on their roster. that's quite a blow 
Exactly. So think about the way it's been presented by those key companies that get most of the talk rather than just having to go at the podcasters for not watching enough women's wrestling. And if you got your shows up on the VOD quicker, people might watch them. And if you didn't go around having to go at people all the time and accusing people and trying to put labels on stuff all the time, maybe I'd be more inclined to watch your product. If, if Wrestle Sorry? Queen, if Wrestle Queen them was better, that, that'd be another argument as well, wouldn't it? Like, I replied to him in the tweet because, like, I... Will Cooling was kind of getting involved in the arguments. Will Cooling was high on Wrestle Queendom. Fair enough. I wasn't. I thought it was a pretty good show, and the big matches I didn't was li- didn't live Sorry. up to the to kind of what what people have built them as and how it had been sold to me because I watched it a few days later. I think you get that that it's almost like that condescending extra star because it's a women's match. Um, I like those matches. I didn't love those matches. The production was terrible. I c- you know, when we were talking about pro- uh, promotion of the year or we were talking about show of the year, that didn't even enter my brain as a possibility. No, you're exactly the same. And none of us brought it up on that show, which told you how well, much, much it had stuck in the memory. One of the things that I know I was a lot higher on it than you two at the time. I watched it live on Fight. Mm. And it was kind of an impulse decision based on the Fight Bucks I had there. And it was like, oh, this is on then. It's 10 Fight Bucks. Why not? And I watched it and I had very low expectations. And I was able to kind of watch it. And I got, I was a lot higher on it at the time than what you two were. Mm. I then went back and watched it when they actually put it out on YouTube for free. I ended up flicking through and seeing it. And I think one of the things I didn't take into consideration was, really was the ramshackle production. Awesome. There's a couple of matches for me that I, I really enjoyed from it. But it had kind of fallen down that – it had fallen down from what I thought of it at the time as being like the show of the year of – a show that if I was there at the time and watching and or watching it live, I can understand the immediate bias, but it doesn't really hold up because the stuff that's sloppy is very sloppy. Mm. And there is the presentation issues with it. Um, for me, the Kaylee Ray Mako Satamura stands out and the Sammy Jane, Charlie Morgan. Yeah. Match, and matches so, do. I, I agree with you completely. Neither match blew me away. I came out of the Sammy Jane match thinking, my God, is she great? Mm. And unfortunately, she was injured after that for most of the year, mm. wasn't she? I think there's a lot of bad luck that went on with Rev Pro's booking of the women last year as well. Unfortunately, with the WWE stuff going along with Sammy Jane being a prominent person, they were booking as well. Mm. Her picking up an injury. Hopefully, with this tournament they've got in the first weekend of January that can kind of change this year and maybe women's wrestling will be part of the year-end conversation next year what I will say for women's wrestling is I think the best women's wrestling I've seen this year has been what WWE are promoted and I hate WWE Mm. but that Evolution show was actually probably the best WWE show I think outside of NXT that I've mm-hmm. seen this year. And there were some absolutely amazing matches on that show. I think Becky Charlotte is the best main roster match this year. Mm. Um, so I think there have been a and Ronda Rousey again has been an absolute revelation. I think there have been some really good stuff going on in women's wrestling, but Dan Reed maybe not, doesn't need to take a shot at say us or mm. other podcasters doing year end awards and think about how his fellow promoters Maybe a promoted women's wrestling throughout the year. Agreed. It's it's like in response to that conversation, mm. Mike Gilby, who I like and respect a lot, kind of came back with. He was kind of saying, "Well, you know, the 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 two defiant shows that OTT promoted this year were better than, mm. than Wrestle Queendom, and I've saw I've saw the second one and I enjoyed it, but I would not put it anywhere near on the level of the big OTT shows this year. And I don't think Mike was trying to do that either. But again, 
it's one of the if, if, if it's if it's as good as as the men's stuff it's going to be in the conversation and when it's not it's just not and, and last well, year the... jp you were a big proponent where you had eve as yeah. a honorary mention from promotion of the year you mm. and martin talked about um charlie morgan as a breakthrough star last year they just weren't the yeah. candidates this year were they no there wasn't and part of it was i don't think eve capitalized on a lot of the promotion they ended up getting from a lot of really incredible mainstream sources and they didn't capitalize on that and that kind of has to rely that goes on them that doesn't go on anybody else they like it didn't seem to capture the buzz there was issues about them moving um shows from walthamstow as well at the last minute and that possibly could have been down to ticket sales as well which made you kind of wonder what the situation was there mm. for me the the real issue behind it was there was a very unstable women's wrestling scene in this country for a while outside of eve now i don't watch bellatrix which i know exists in there, and, and the issue was that wwe have signed so many of uh women wrestlers that are there because mm. effectively like nxt there is an idea they want 50 50 cards that's ultimately what their aim is and given the way that the main in the main roster, and Joe, you've mentioned about it with Becky Lynch and Charlotte and Ronda Rousey, it'd be anything but criminal not to headline WrestleMania next year with with them. Like that has to be it. That's the hottest acts and storylines in the company by a country mile for me. Mm. Um, and I think the fact that we we're missing that there's so many unique matchups that we would be able to have if there was a core of sort of. Uh, 30 or so women wrestlers throughout the country being able to work all these different matches against each other. But now there's effectively a point where there's going to be what, nine, 10 of them are going to be effectively pushed to one side away from everybody else. And they're not going to get better by not working them. And it's, and it's going to take time. And I think that's going to, it's held it back much more so than in terms of male wrestlers, simply because there's so many more of them. For sure. Um, moving on then from women's, wrestling to women's soap legends joe next question um with it with in mind that big mo from eastenders is in the hellboy trailer i hope you've seen that sorry uh, it's in the hellboy trailer big mo <laughs> yeah. yeah she's what? like stood behind the desk as kind of actions ha- ha- happening around her lila oh, morse is her real God. name i'm yeah. sorry we really should have uh, no, this layla together. morse isn't her real name oh do you know what her real name is oh go on Maureen Oldman. Do you know why she's called Layla Morse? No, go on. Because when her brother, Gary Oldman, made Nil by Mouth, where she made her acting debut, he was married to an Italian woman, I think just after his marriage to Uma Thurman, and Layla Morse was an anagram for, like, sister or sister-in-law or something in Italian. I might have got that slightly wrong. But yeah, it's something like that. So that's her <laughs> that's her worker name, whereas her real name is Maureen Oldman. Yeah. Every, everything is wrestling. Well, while I find the link to the trailer and send it to you, because you've got to see it, the question from uh, Kidswall Clarice Wilson on Twitter is, what other soap stars should star in big superhero films? Should star in big superhero films? Mm. Well, how Nick Cotton, I'm going back to the man, has not been a bad guy in a Marvel film, I think is absolutely criminal. Like, (laughs) can you imagine Nick Cotton as like Dr. Octopus in a Spider-Man film or something? Like 
Alfred Molina got the role. I'd be looking at Nick Cotton rather than Alfred Molina. Yeah, mm. there's one for me. <laughs> Any other suggestions? Oh, God. Um, what about um, Ross Kemp as Kingpin in Spider-Man <laughs> or Daredevil? That could work. <laughs> I could see it Ross is... Kemp. You could any, basically any role that Vin Diesel got. Personally, I should have, I think should have gone to Ross Kemp. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like Ving Rhames was um, Kingpin in the crap Ben Affleck Daredevil, right? Mm, that's right, yeah. Can you imagine Ross Kemp in that role? I think he'd have owned that role. I think he'd have given that role what it needed at that point in time. Instead, he was acting in ITV specials, like his uh, version of Scrooge that he did for ITV back then. But yeah, Ross Kemp as Kingpin. That's what I'm on board for. That could work. Uh, what was the name of the character? I was trying to think of um, EastEnders characters who've been in like big movies. Like We had a bit of a conversation about that, didn't we, recently? Like it's happened. Like she's not the first, is she? We've had some some big names. Uh, Craig Fairbrass was Dan. Mm. He was he's the star of right. Yeah, cliffhanger. He's in for Queen and Country with Denzel Washington as mm. well, where Denzel Washington plays an ex Falkland soldier. But bizarre <laughs> casting right there. Um, the big one for me was always Jay Steyer from EastEnders, like turning up in two John Claude Van Damme films in a row. He was in uh, Until Death. And then I can't remember what the movie was after it, but in both movies, he was like one of the big bad guys playing two completely different characters. It was like Jean-Claude had just taken a liking to him. Yeah, I like that Jace off EastEnders. Exactly. You got Sid Owen in Revolution with Al Pacino playing his son. I think 1985 <laughs> that was released, a post-Scarface. Sid Owen's big acting break. Then he got his role in EastEnders. You got Frank Butcher in um, Snatch mm. playing the Jewish <laughs> diamond dealer or oh, something. Yeah, he's not really. Arthur. Yeah, yeah. I, I hate Snatch as a film, but that's another story for another time. Um, I'm trying to think of who else you've got. There are so many that I can... Like in minor British roles that you've got throughout. Uh, Karen, the like chavvy mum who's currently in EastEnders, she's in um, the Cass Pennant film. Um, she's in Top Dog, directed by Martin Kemp, a.k.a. Steve Owen, in EastEnders. <laughs> Awful film. Um, oh, what else is she in? She's in plenty of films. I know there's someone who was in EastEnders because I only watched it on Christmas Day, basically swatting up for this, which wasn't something I was expecting to do at the start of the year. <laughs> but um, what did you mention? There's someone in that was in London to Brighton, which is a great. Yeah, that's film. her. That's Karen, oh right. I'm talking about yeah, she's in London. Oh, is to that? Brighton. Oh, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Patrick Bergen, who was playing um, that Irish bloke last year, and it yes. was Phil Mitchell's ex cellmate, Robin Hood. Yeah, Robin Hood. Ter- the, the bad Robin Hood, not Prince of Thieves, which is also awful. But uh, I don't know of a good Robin Hood film, possibly other than the one in the 30s with Errol Flynn that I've never, I've not seen. Darren Miller was in Nymphomaniac Part 1. Wow. So he was hooking up with Lars von Trier after hooking up with his uh, dad with a bad back who was uh, constantly on benefits and couldn't work. Um, who else have we got? God, there at John Altman and Nick Cotton again played George Harrison in a Beatles film in the early 80s. He's also that. in Quadrophenia. Um, fucking hell. Phil Daniels, Quadrophenia. He was in EastEnders for a little bit as well. as Denise's husband, if I remember rightly. So, <laughs> man, do you want me to carry on? I can... I'm so glad I asked, to be honest. Yeah, it's a big list, isn't it? It's kind of like a who's who. You've got to go through those doors of EastEnders. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to do that to be a legitimate actor. I think in Hollywood and make it. 
Uh, Jamie Foreman played Derek Branning, star of Nil by Mouth, uh, Layer Cake. He plays Bill Sykes in Roman Polanski's Oliver Twist film as well. He's in all sorts of crap London gangster films as well. There's another one. <laughs> it never ends. You, you, there's going to be a, a theme in these questions, by the way, Joe, because like the, the follow-up question for this is uh, Gareth from Grapple asking us if there was any Stenders versus Brookie war games match at la Luz nightclub <laughs> who would you book for each team right. so while you're on a roll we might as well do that one uh, okay so you gotta think workers here so you gotta think good actors alongside big stars in order to carry the load of the match i, before, I think for before, the eastenders side you've got to have the mitchell brothers as a tag team I, I don't think there's a there's a way you can do that team without them too before i start can i just say i don't think a question can better that one this <laughs> should we end it after this <laughs> that is an incredible question gareth you're a top bloke um yeah so the mitchell brothers is like the steiners and the 91 war games i think that's a good you shout. couldn't have them coming in one two or three because i think they're a bit too jacked up by that point but they're in there because they're going to get that big kind of heat moment the moment they go in the cage you could see phil come phil would be rick grant would be scott and you yeah. could see grant coming in and suplexing a few people around the ring couldn't you to get like yeah. get some sympathy well, get get you know, over do some big moments after there's lots of sympathy put on the baby. Mitchell lines. Rick, when Rick, when when Grant gets Phil gets in, I'm getting confused now. But could you do Team Mitchell? Could you have like Billy Mitchell getting beaten up like a little run? Oh, it could be like the Brian Pillman in '91. Although Billy Mitchell, Brian Pillman, bit of a, ah, there's another one. Billy Mitchell is an ID. Sorry. I, I, <laughs> And he's in Empire State, and he's in Sid and Nancy, but we'll come back. Um, <laughs> God, let, that, you could... This is a really good question, actually. Like, well, see, I want to put in there to be like a rule breaker. I could see there's always a spot in a War Games match where someone gets the cage shut on the head. Uh, I could see Nick Cotton being that guy, but would he be like a manager on the outside doing that? You know what, Benno, that was going through my head before you said it. I was thinking of what um, Daniels, Brian Danielson did in the um, Ring of Honor versus CZW Cage of Death match. Oh, Remember when he's yeah. in there and he gives a low blow and he runs out and he's like, I only care about me? And he That's abandons what get up to. Now, if I'm choosing and I'm and I'm Team EastEnders and JP's Team Brookside, <laughs> I want to trust my boys. And I know that I can trust Grant and Phil. So I definitely have Grant and Phil. Would I have Cotton? Probably not, because I can't trust the bloke. So I'd have to have trustworthy figures. Now, could Steve Owen work with Grant and Phil? I don't know they had their rivalry back in the day, and they had a bit of a fallout at various points over um, Tams and Alphite's character and the rest of it. So, But I think, you, from a booking perspective, you can get some great angles by, A, having Nick Cotton in there. Also, the DeMarcos for a few that never quite <laughs> happened that should have happened. The DeMarcos versus the Mitchells. It was never pushed enough, and I think there was some serious juice in that long term. So it could have been like the Edge and Christian versus the Hardy Boys sort of feud. Basically, yeah. <laughs> it could have been the Steiners versus the Miracle Violence connection, oh, is what it could have been, but they just didn't They didn't want to give the DeMarcos the rub. Gianni wasn't open enough. He was, more, he was a bit like a Baron Corbin type. Beppe, he was over. Gianni wasn't over to that point of yours. But I, I think at the same time, in this environment, he could be covered enough by Beppe and the other members of TV Stenders in order to <laughs> The short, short I suppose Beppe was an absolute workhorse. Eh? He was a workhorse, and I think, but then that's why I think you're Billy Mitchell in there at number one for just taking that heat. But then at the same time, I think Ian Beale can be a more sympathetic character when he needs to make a face turn. Oh, 
So I maybe have Beal in there, little weasel getting his head flushed down the toilet. And flagship one. star as well. He's been around for so long. I don't think you can do yeah, that. Yeah, you're right. Time. Yeah. Now, the people, maybe you need to take a few fools as well. So I'm thinking, would I have like a Gary and Minty in there as a couple of job guys who are kind of over the people like they're kind of, you know, bumbling fools, but they can take a fall as well for the bigger stars at times, but they're going to be over. But that's an elimination matches, but war games, that wouldn't really work. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You're keeping an eye on the rules. It's it's just the match match beyond. Yeah, I'm thinking in like Survivor And I'm also thinking, and, and I don't know how you feel about this, Benno, Team Brookside feels like a naturally face team. Maybe that's yeah, me. because it's Liverpool, and as much as I love Liverpool, and have sung that you'll never walk yeah. alone this season. <laughs> Not an Everton fan. <laughs> um, Tranmere Rovers, mine. Ron Dixon, he supported Tranmere Rovers. Would he be leading the Brookside team to the ring? See, for me, the Brookside team would be a heel team. Really? Yeah, because people look at Zach Gibson and the scouse heat that he generates. It's With unfortunate, me. but it's true. Yeah, I think the scouts naturally generates heat, whereas I think London geezers can get over as like, whoa, cockney baby face. Shah Samuels, when he likes to do his mm. cockney face routine. I suppose routine. it depends where the, the show is set. I think that's a big thing. Where's it set? Birmingham. How about that? Well, we are setting it at the, the, the nightclub, so I suppose it is down south. So I suppose the EastEnders guys are the baby faces. You're cool. Let's get it down. You're cool. The yeah. EastEnders guys are the faces. I'm booking this shit. So... so, so- <laughs> For Team Brookside, I mean, I'm assuming Mick Johnson's got to be in. I think Corkill's got to be the the leader. He's Corkill, the, he's the Ric Flair of the. Of oh the yeah, team. yeah, yeah. I think I think Corkill could take some serious bumps as well. Mm. I think like in a sense, Corkill could be like a bit of a sly, like sort of workhorse. Doesn't look like much. Bobby Eaton. Doesn't look like much, but ultimately, <laughs> you're going to get a good half hour of him and get him into the match <laughs> as well. Who would be the Arn Anderson coming in at number two? Do you think? Simbad. Oh, Sinbad. Oh, yes. A couple what of spine busters. You know, it could work. And I could see it, you know. Do you remember yeah. when Sinbad and Ron Dixon went through a shop window together? <laughs> <laughs> so amazing. Sinbad knows how to dish it out. Seriously. Yeah, yeah I could see I, Sinbad in there. I think if it's going to be a heel team as well, I could imagine Tinhead being like a Miz-style heel. Like, he's got the... I mean, yeah. I mentioned on a previous show, I've seen him in the gym. He's got the body. I could see him popping that top off and just being a bit of a dickhead heel. Tinhead's got to be. You know what, Ben? I've got a different spin for this question. I think, you know, me and JP, him being a Londoner, me being a loyal EastEnders fan, should be doing the EastEnders team. You should be doing the Brookside team yourself. (laughs) I'll take (laughs) it. Who have we got so far? We've got got Simbad, we've got Tinhead, we've got Jimmy Jimmy Corkill's in there. Would you have Mick Johnson? Yeah, we'll take Mick Johnson. We just need one more. He'd be like the Butch Reed in there or someone, wouldn't he? Luger. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Or you'd need, um, what about that posh bloke um, who was like from down south um, who lived what in the coast? Barry Grant. Oh, yes. Barry Grant turns heel at the end. You know what should happen? Team Brookside. Trevor, yeah. Do- Trevor Jordash should come from under the ring, Ultimate Warrior style, through <laughs> like a trapdoor, make it like an Undertaker slash Kane style comeback. That should be the finish <laughs> of the match. He should be the mystery fifth man. Mate, I'm sold. <laughs> I want to see this. But you can't have Barry, Go- ba- uh, sorry, Barry Grant without Terry. Do you remember Terry, his best mate, who he threw off the crane or whatever it was? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You can't have Barry Grant without Terry. You can work Terry into the angle eventually, looking a bit like Medusa on top of the cage when it's Sting Squadron oh, versus yes. Dangerous Alliance. Like, you could have Terry doing that on top. 
I like the sound. You can even have little Jimmy Corkill coming out from from Grange Hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, there's there's a lot of some serious quality angles. Oh here. man, this is like dream match territory right now. <laughs> like, I'm getting an erection thinking about this series. <laughs> well, there's plenty of uh, EastEnders slash Brookside themed uh, questions to go. Uh, you're gonna enjoy them, Joe. Uh, shall I move on to the next one? Please do. I don't know how you can better that one, though. <laughs> well, also from Gareth, um, probably an easier one, a quicker one. Guilty Pleasure WWE slash WCW theme music. Uh, he also asked us our top three favorite chocolate bars of all time. Uh, we can get through those quickly. <laughs> I think um, the WCW theme, I'm always going to go with uh, Ravishing Rick Rude's theme. The uh, Ravishing, Ravishing uh, theme. The, uh, the one with the lyrics. It's very 80s power ballads. That's a good one. Is that the one that he come that, that comes on when he unmasks at Halloween Havoc uh, ninety one? Yes, that's the one. And he's sort of with like a light with a with a sort of a roar at the beginning of. Wow. He's simply ravishing. Wow. That's yes, it. that's yeah. For me, it's Eddie Guerrero's WCW theme, which is it sounds oh. like the Oz theme music. Mm. In many ways, <laughs> oh, it was definitely and... background music for some. It was stock music, wasn't it? It was definitely used for something. <laughs> which i love because my brother once fell asleep watching eddie guerrero dvd and i remember hearing that music when i'm for a pisser of a night and being like oh he's watching an eddie guerrero match and when i woke up in the morning i could still hear the music and he'd fallen asleep to the dvd and it was on the menu feature yeah <laughs> i also love the uh, the nwo uh, black and white but the b-team theme the one that the likes of Conan oh, and the Jobbers would yes. use. That's a great piece of music. I don't know if it's I've a guilty it pleasure, head, but... but... Yeah, I can't hum that one, but I've got it in my head. Dude, I also dude. love any use of NWO voiceover guy, like, New World Order. And any, like... Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Any, any sort of use of a soundbite on the NWO theme does a yeah. lot for... You two not fan, fans of self-high-five, then? Ah, it's not a guilty pleasure. Is that the um, Smells Like Teen Spirit yeah. rip-off? Yeah, or Ravens music, I quite liked I, as well. Oh, he it, just, re- it, he just it, reversed. Jimmy Hart was the master of just reversing one note or two and pretending it was an original song. That's what he did, wasn't <laughs> it? There's, there's, there is one theme recently, which I know this is a really weird logic. It sounds like the kind of music a serial killer would listen to, and that's Cedric Alexander's theme. I've not heard That's, it. It's, it. Honestly, to God, if you can imagine that being played at the end of a particularly dark episode of a dark HBO drama, kind of fits perfectly in a sort of a juxtaposition. Is it like John Cooper Clark at the end of The Sopranos? It's, yeah, kind of, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's, 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 it's not a good song, but it's the kind of song that should haunt you at night. <laughs> Do you listen to it before bed? Not anymore. No. You used to. You would Spotify would be on, it would come on, I'd be like, oh, God, turn this on. <laughs> Why is it on there? I was just going to say as well, by the way, for uh, for WCW themes, as far as like ones mm. that, I, that I do love that you probably shouldn't, Alex Wright's theme. That's, that's a classic. <laughs> uh, yeah, that German is techno. good. Another one that's just come into my... I used to love his dance as well to that. Oh, so good. But the uh, Steiner theme, the Stanerland oh, theme, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that was a great theme. Any classic WWF ones before we move on? Like uh, 90s WWF? I'm trying to think of any like, like a, a count as a guilty pleasure. Jake uh, Roberts. I that's a great it. theme. That and Demolition that's are probably the best theme. two of all time. Um, 
dusty dusty roads mm. I, I always enjoy uh, common man yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah like at the end when it's like going here's the dream here's the dream yeah. the dream it's just brilliant can i hear more of that please what me singing it yeah absolutely not no, that's it that's as much you're getting to this evening um classic wwf themes like sean michaels with sherry doing the music mm. i think is an all-time classic as well um the remix you did with kurt angle in the 2000s was great too oh that was that was great as well um are we talking strictly 90s wwf themes here are we he said wwf so that's what i'm going for but i suppose okay it's one that I'm a big fan of is any variation of the Nation of Domination music. So, <laughs> we are the Nation of Domination. But then the one with Wolfie D and oh. the, other, the other bloke from USWA. I can't we are the what. Nation, uh, laughing in colour. Don't diss the yeah. Met or we'll bomb rush your mother. <laughs> Benno, I asked JP to carry on. I think you should carry on. <laughs> if you get me on karaoke at some point, I, I will do it from start Benno. to finish. Um, <laughs> And then, then music afterwards, where it basically became like a kind of the, a mix between the rock and D'Lo Brown's music with the. Oh, um, that was good. You better recognize or something. That one. I point out one one that I always really enjoyed, and it's probably my old housemate Andy at the time really enjoyed it, and that was Christian's music once he'd broken up from Edge with the Christian. At last, you're on your own. Just unnecessarily epic. Yeah, it was. It was like oh, that's it reminds great. me of Bohemian Rhapsody a bit. Yeah, but like a pound shop version. Oh yeah, <laughs> very much a pound shop version. Yeah. Uh, I'll throw in a writing vote as well for the uh, the aggression album. The was that the hip hop album? Uh, yeah, yeah. Have aggression. What's... Anything off that or anything off the um, the WrestleMania album? They're all guilty pleasures. The actual WrestleMania song, which I had on a um, Coca Cola tape that came three with cans of Coke if you sent away, and the WrestleMania theme was like the main theme on there. Whereas WrestleMania, whoa, <laughs> I don't know if you remember that one. I remember that. Yeah, that that would be up there. Shine, man. Yeah, was oh, I was sick at the time. <laughs> Any votes for chocolate bars? So we, we, let's not do a whole top three. But uh, what's your favorite? Quickly, Whisper Boost Lion. <laughs> JP yeah. knows. JP was prepared for that one. I like I've a thought boost. About that more than more than a couple of times. Um, like I'm Snickers. just going to go uh, Dairy Milk, Mars, and Mars. Double Deck. Oh, I'd, yeah, always go, I'd, I'd always go with the John stickers Barnes. over Mars. You'll never walk alone. I'm in a Liverpool mood. John oh. Barnes is the face of Mars, or was for a bit. <laughs> so you know, I'm going Mars. Fair enough, mate. I'm going Snickers, like Ripple. I do like a boost, so that, that'd be my, my three. Goodness. What ex-Everton players have got endorsements of chocolate bars? All right, mate. Ignore him, Benno. That's some solid <laughs> chocolate selection. I'm with you on this one. We've all had the drink, haven't we? Unbelievable. Where's <laughs> uh, <laughs> Graham Stewart advertising chocolate? <laughs> hey, I see him on the train sometimes. He's a gent. He was, he was my hero when I was a kid. Uh, number eight for Evan. I, I doubt anyone listening that knows who he was, but he was ginger, therefore he was my favourite player. Um, JP's a big Francis Jeffers fan. Oh, big fan. Oh, he had that great run at Arsenal. So He did. <laughs> He's one like who had Tang as well, allegedly. I've got no evidence to back that up, but that was a popular terrorist rumor at the time. When I had my Everton season ticket, when I had my Everton oh. season ticket, I would see him at the pub after the games, like the local Weatherspoons, and no one would bother him because it's only Franny Jeffers. No one cares. <laughs> oh, we bought we bought a pup off you, didn't we? But I like Mikel Arteta. Oh, with a lot of time for him. Hey, me too. He gets booed by our fans, but I'm still a big fan. I like Mikel. 
Um, Franny Jeffers was no Danny Cadamartry. He was oh, a better God. player. I remember when they tried to play them together. It was terrible. But, uh, moving on. Uh, question from Sam Lemon ninety on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> He's the man behind PW Grill Gang. Um, who's the Tony Stamp and Dave Quinnen of British wrestling? He's oh my. Fucking God. Is anyone going to get that other than me and him? I don't get it. I don't understand what the question is. Right. Tony and Dave were two of my favourite coppers on the beat in the bill. And me and him spent many an hour watching the bill. <laughs> he was that big bloke, Tony, yeah. wasn't he? Oh, and re-watching 90s episodes of the bill where, uh, yeah, fucking hell. Um, the Tony and Dave of wrestling. Less of a thing. It's not Jimmy Advocate Mark Askins, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> because those who didn't have the chemistry with Tony and David. Jody and Johnny? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Jody and Johnny, bang on it. Yeah. Oh, what a couple of geezers they are. Yeah. You'd like a pint with them, wouldn't you? Oh, love Jody and Actually, Johnny. Actually, you had one, didn't you? I did, yeah. Yeah. OTT. Uh, yeah, OTT. Yeah. yeah, Jody and Johnny, there you go. Good shout. Uh, next question Nick Lempier. Lempier? I think that's how you pronounce Lempier. it. Lempier. Good bloke. Always uh, have a nice chat with him on Twitter. Uh, asked, uh, have you ever... Tr- this is for Joe, I think, specifically. Have you ever tried sleeping two hours, watching a pay-per-view, sleeping an hour, then drinking loads of coffee before teaching? It works. No, and I'm never <laughs> going to. <laughs> I've done that before. I'm planning on doing that for UFC tonight, to be honest. I'm going to have like a three-hour sleep, get up, watch that, and then get up and then go back to bed again. Uh, I just watch it when I wake up. I just won't look at my phone. I won't look at spoilers. Um... It's not worth it, if you ask me. Like, I sh- I sleep like shit anyway. I don't want to make my sleep even worse. So, He's yeah. a much more hardcore teacher than us, though, isn't he? I don't know what he teaches. AGT, I think It'll Nick sh- teaches secondary. That's like, I mean, honestly, we teach FE for anyone interested in teaching circles. And secondary seems a lot more, like, hellish to what we have to deal with um man i could never tell someone to tuck their shirt in I, I couldn't give a fuck about a piece of cotton hanging out of another piece of you know fabric to be honest with you i will say i've watched there are times it's a terrible thing i've watched a lot more wrestling on the way to work on the way back from work um at lunch breaks as well there's been times where where students haven't been in and we've been marking and i think we had new japan on didn't we we had a money in the bank on last year in a I class think we did. that wasn't worth it though because we had it on the big screen and we got so many people coming and going wrestling what's this oh, then Jesus. this real and all the rest of it and oh, it was yeah. like i shouldn't have done this this wasn't worth so you get these brief. big you get these big whiteboards and you think great i can get new japan world up on this but you're going to be interrupted every five bastard in minutes having to explain why you're watching japanese wrestling oh, at 11 at work See, I'm just glad I work in an office because I can just disappear for the toilet for half an hour and watch watch bits of the show at a time and just make people think I've got something really wrong with my insides. But really, I'm just <laughs> do they ever ask questions about your bowel? I'm not at it yet, but I bet you it's coming. Uh... Okay, <laughs> you're right, but it, it is Lemprier. My bad. There we go, Lemprier. Uh, next question then, uh, Mark Bucklesey, good friend of ours, uh, Monkey Buckles on Twitter. Best pub or bar in Banbury? <laughs> or is it like, a, or is it like asking for favourite disease? Is what he comments there. Oh my god, it's been so long since I've been there. Um, Weatherspoons, cheap. Know where you get him? Ah, uh, that one. That's the. Oh, what's the name? It's like the it? Eagle Vaults. I think I went to once. Might be closed down now. There was a pub we went to after a work thing that was 
all right, wasn't it? God, oh. this is some of the worst audio I think that's ever been recorded. Just There's apologize. Been in I've never been. Don't, okay. Don't. Yeah. Oxfordshire market towns have a kind of theme to them generally. Oh, I am massively generalizing here, which is they look very lovely and twee and Tory during the day. And at night, it's just squaddies and, and horrible people fighting. Did, did you see that article recently about a couple who called their son Adolf and were arrested? Is that where they were from? Banbury. They were from Banbury. <laughs> there you go. Like That's Mark. Mark is, honestly, he's got, he is, he is as un-Banbury as you can imagine him to be. The best <laughs> thing about Banbury, Mark Buckledy. Yeah. There we go. Oh, How long was that? Uh, next question, another one from Nick Lemprier. Lemprier? God damn it, I keep screwing his name up. Uh, where do you see Beppe fitting into the current Brit rest scene? <laughs> 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 is he a heel is he a face we kind of touched on it earlier NGW Butlins that could work he's got the look he's got definitely got the look he's got that baby face charisma to get over with the kids well World of Sport needs someone to come along who's a popular figure with a bit of mainstream cred to sell bit of an tickets, ethnic background so... you know say again yeah. bit of ethnic background you know so that makes, makes it a bit more interesting it could work yeah Absolutely, get the Italian Italians on board. I think Beppe is the man to get those in for World of Sport. Yeah, <laughs> tied to that, our, our friend, uh, the other Ben O, Ben Owens, uh, asked which tag team uh, would have the best match with the Mitchell brothers. Uh, the Bruisers in Four uh, FW, um, Crusher Lomax, and what's the other fella called? Oh, I'm getting confused. I'm thinking of Benton Destruction, but it's not that because no, they work no, in the no. Northwest. Russia Lomax and the other fella. So if you look at um, 4FW's uh, Facebook page or YouTube page, there's a match booked in February between the Bruisers and the Nasty Boys. And it, the Nasty Boys are kind of <laughs> cracking promo. And we're talking about they're coming over to face the Bruisers or the, should we say the Mitchell Brothers? <laughs> Doing that laugh. And then they start talking about how they look at the Mitchell brothers so it's got it's Perfect. got to be that I think yeah. if, you, if you're not going that I would definitely go with the hooligans the, the night kids I think they'd be they'd be perfect to go up against oh. the Mitchells that'd just be a pub fight rip though. off of the Mitchells though and to some extent I think so yeah them and any basically gangster slash football hooligan film I think that's kind of what they do isn't it uh, yeah. plus they they yeah. live the gimmick as well if you believe the uh, the recent news <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or see him in see him in toilets. Will will will, will they be able to uh, be out for um, fight me? <laughs> oh God, Jared! At the oh. Norwich at Carrow Road, yeah. That's um, I did see like a setup of that of Norwich's stadium where it's like, yeah. On Furious put it up on there, and I was like, this is interesting. It's just a corner though, isn't it? There today. What's there? There was a floodlight failure for a good six minutes, which is something that that would massively hinder that. Show. They're top two in the championship, aren't they? They are, I think. Yeah, they were top yeah. for a while, weren't they? Yeah. So, um, can I just ask a question? Because I saw this. It's not like Carrow Road is in the stadium. Is that like a room? Yeah. No, it's no. a stadium. But the, the, the ring is basically at the corner flag. So it's like whatever their main stand is, like the end bit of that, and the end bit of like the, the main stand, yeah. whatever their version of that is. So it's really only the corner. So what's the capacity for that? It's kind of, I suppose, not as big... It, the thing I thought was, wouldn't it be great if it looked like Tony Bellew coming out in Creed 2 at Goodison <laughs> Park? Or... He had a fight at Goodison, didn't he, as well? Yeah, 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 he did. It wasn't full, but... Uh... Yeah, so actually, you know what kind of similar to what they're trying to do here? It was um, it was cornered off in a lot of ways. I think this is going to be a lot. I don't know how, how big a draw is Grant Holt. Um, every time I say his <laughs> name, I think of Steve Holt in Arrested Development. 
I honestly think if Matt Letizier went into wrestling, he could sell out some <laughs> Think of the skills he'd have. If you were promoting, like, Letizier versus Will Ten Os- quid? Yeah, versus Will Ospreay, right. <laughs> St Mary's is selling out for that one. He is. He's the Will Ospreay of 90s football. Yeah. Like, I was at Letizier's last of a game. He carried right? Vader, mate. I mean, I'll tell you, that he's, he can do some shit. <laughs> I bet they've got similar political Matt views as well. My mate's sister is now going out with Francis Benali's son. Do you remember Franny B? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's now going out with his son. He was telling me all about him. Yeah, but it's, anyway, I digress. But Letizia is a man who could sell out St. Mary's. I'm sure if it was maybe uh, Brian Gum, then Caro Road might sell out, a Norwich uh, legend like that. If you had Wes Houlihan doing a run-in at some point as well as a later Caro yeah. Road legend, yeah. Thierry Henry headlined the match at the Emirates. Would that sell out? Fuck yeah. Yeah. I'd be there, and I'm an Ireland <laughs> fan, and I've got very legitimate reasons to never want to talk about him ever again. Oh. But, yeah, outside of that, Thierry, I'd, you'd be there, wouldn't you? I mean, I'm trying to think of... Barry Horn headlined the Goodison Park. Hey, he's our hero. He kept us up against Wimbledon. Evan Grange, do Gareth Farrelly? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> he kept you up as well, but... Paul, Paul Ryder won the FA Cup. No, what, the person who really kept us up was that Wind, the Wimbledon goalkeeper who was on the take. What was his name? Hans Sagers. Hans Sagers, yeah. He's the real hero. Oh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> next up, we've got a, a series of questions from Colin Rice, who he's one of my mates, and I'm going to ignore most of his questions, but let's ask a couple of them. Uh, <laughs> first one, tell me <laughs> something people wouldn't know about you. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I... Oh, there's a lot I can say about you. Yeah, there is a, there's a lot. I mean, most of it we give out yeah, on the podcast there's that, anyway. There's a lot that you two know about me that we will kind of keep it off here. Um, I'll go. I'll oh, go on. Go on. No, you first. I'll, I'll, my one, uh, I did mention on the Lutra and Dead podcast, is that I used to run a Wu-Tang Clan fan website. Does that count as mm-hmm. something? That was a thing uh, before I got into wrestling podcasting. Um uh, don't know where else wouldn't people know people know i used to i tried to wrestle and i was shit that's kind of another thing uh, what did you have jp uh i'm a massive sort of politics nerd u.s politics nerd as well um ugh. I'm trying to think i'm pretty much an open book unfortunately mm. it's one of the big problems that i have what am I? What my? I mean, li- li- linked to the Wu Tang Clan fan website thing is they did try to sue me once. So there's that too. I do have a, a legal letter on letterhead of paper from the Wu Tang Clan oh. threatening legal action because of the name of my website. So you know that that's something. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> pretty good going. I'm gonna put it on the wall. Anything from you, Joe? I'm not that interested. Um, I'm circumcised. Is that all right? <laughs> There's a question linked to that we're going to ask later, actually. Something about Judaism, maybe. <laughs> Are you an anti-Semite, Joe? <laughs> well, if you look at my cock, you know I'm not. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh. I'll be saving that for an hour and a half. That's going to make me feel less bad about asking Joe uh, Carl's next question. Favourite PW Gale gang member? <laughs> I'm going with Shauna. I like Shauna. Shauna's sound. Every PW girl ganger I've met, except for the leader, has been very nice. There's like a... I can't remember her name. I think she's Canadian. She lives in Manchester. I can't remember her name. I met her. She's nice. Any of the male members I've met are nice. It's just the yeah. leader. That's the problem. I would go 
completely along with that. Um, Meg Hewitt as well. Really, really lovely. Um, yeah, Shauna. Um, pretty much all of the members. I mean, it's, it's I like, like we were answering it's the same. about as an entity. It's, it was more, I think, at the time when a lot of stuff was going on with it, it was more the kind of idea of one person hijacking it. Oh, yeah. Which kind of... I think my, my thing with them, I mean, we, we alluded to it on the podcast all the time, and I don't mind talking about it, is that, like, with me, like, I had an argument with uh, Susie, who runs the PW Girl Gang on Twitter, because... I felt that some of her defences of progress came with a heavy level of bias considering her relationship to the progress owners and involvement in the documentary and all that stuff. And she just outright decided that I was problematic and just invented all these things that I was that I allegedly thought about women and did. Um, the rest of them, I think they're involved for good reasons, but I don't know how much further you want to wade into those waters. No comment. <laughs> Fair enough. We asked it though. I said I was going to try and ask all the questions. Uh, the next I'll one. I'll be honest. I take little interest in. This sounds really bad, but oh god, how do I say this? I'm not in this to make friends. I don't care. Like mm. I've got lots of friends. Mm. Oh, this is awful. I sound like a cunt. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> so I just don't care about people that I might occasionally bump into and have casual conversation with, like whatever. You might want to edit that bit out. Sorry. Nah. Maybe timestamp that bit. <laughs> uh, next question then, while we're on the timestamping uh, from Cole. What was objectively the best feud of the year and why was it Dave O'Neill versus everyone else? Oh. oh, I don't want to answer that. I don't want that cunt getting any, any name recognition on here. <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy. Uh, thanks for the questions, Carl. Uh, next one up, I'm moving on. James Brewster, uh, how likely is it that whilst the official Progress Twitter account claims everything is fine, and not to believe the rumours, that a certain Glenn Joseph turns up in the NXT UK commentary booth a la Heyman in 2001? Happening. In a Progress hat. It's happening. Oh. <laughs> He's been doing those background, those those interviews, hasn't he, on NXT UK, where it's like a faceless man with a microphone, but it's clearly Glenn Joseph's voice. That's what he's aiming for, isn't it? That's the that's the job he's going to end up with. Michael Cole has been readying that man. They have yeah. been working. I, I've got no evidence of this apart from what I'm hearing in, uh, on his commentary. But Michael Cole has been getting that man ready. Mm. Uh, he's got the Michael Cole starter kit 101. <laughs> And, he, you know, it's it's working. And if he gets the job and he stays there for a long time, it's fulfillment of a dream for the bloke. Fair enough. His posts on the Raja forums back in the day were all about his love of WWE. Fair enough. But, <laughs> yeah, it's happening. It's happening. Definitely. Uh, next up, a, a theme that we, we're going to get a few of these types of questions. <laughs> Fuck, marry, kill, Jim, John, and Glenn. <laughs> oh. You'd marry Jim. <laughs> But then you got to fuck one of them, Glenn. He looks, he looks it'll good be, in makeup. Naughty. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> like Briley's not going to be the best, is he? In the bedroom, I can't imagine. That's Pretty true. Meat and potatoes sort if of you, stuff. If you married him, he'd disappear into a room because he'd be constantly editing progress shows. So <laughs> <laughs> you could live with him. I don't know if you could live with Jim constantly and his energy and his being your mate and his just yeah, Jim. <laughs> I don't fairness, think I could marry that man. I've, I've had a look through some of the questions. I am an annoying bastard at shows, so I think in some ways we could end up kind of making that work between us. I feel like I'm married to you anyway, though, yeah, so, true. you know, I spend enough time with you. I feel quite comfortable in your house as well. 
what's yours is mine and all that. Um, yeah, I'd agree with JP. I think Glenn would be good fun for a night. You know, he'd probably know <laughs> a thing or two. He's, you know, into the old acting lark, so I'm sure he's seen and experienced a thing or two. Briley on Flash Morgan Webster's podcast, he lived in like Devon or Cornwall for a while. I can't imagine them being too wild down there unless you're down at Newquay for the summer where them surf a lot and he's not one of them. So <laughs> he'd have to go over one of the cliff edges in Cornwall or Devon, unfortunately. <laughs> Good shout. I'm going with fuck Jim, marry John, just because you'd never see him kill Glenn. I think that, that would work for me. Um, although he does follow me on twitter so i'd lose a follower there so mm, hard choice uh next one peter hitchcock uh do you worry that rev pro oh serious one here is losing too much control over their bookings in new japan especially over their belts also thoughts on their recent trend of dual champs with saber and suzuki i'm personally i'm a i don't mind dual champs i'm kind of all right with that i think that's something that kind of harks back to you're mentioning about all Japan, the idea of, you you know, your, your tag division being made up of sort of two of your best heavyweight stars. I'm fine with that. It can lead to lots of really good natural angles. And there's a lot, lot of good directions you can go with that. So dual champions is something I've, I've necessarily got an issue with. I wouldn't mind seeing David Starr as a tag champ and as, mm. and as um, the cruiserweight champ as well. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, I think once the you other... get... Well, it was about Sorry. whether whether Japan has too much control over the belts. I mean, Andy Quilden will push back on that and say that they don't control the booking. Um, but, I mean, obviously there's going to be an element of that once you put your belt on a New Japan guy, then mm. you know, you're going to have complications with who you can put them against depending on what the New Japan booking is, what's coming up. We saw that happen with Suzuki Anishi this year. I think after Wrestle Kingdom, though, they'll put the belt back on Zack Sabre. I think that's a... yeah. For me, that's uh, almost definite that that's happening on January 4th. And then, yeah, I'd like to, I, I would personally like to see the New Japan relationship continue. And I appreciate the benefits of it that they've gotten this match on, on Wrestle Kingdom. But I would like to see guys who are going to be working every show with those belts in 2019. Yeah, I, th- I think they need, perhaps need to go down when it comes to the New Japan booking, going down the OTT route where the New Japan stuff is somewhat enclosed within its own sort of New Japan world. Not I can't the see them doing it, though, because I think they've made such a rep on booking these New Japan against unique British talent matches that are, you know, get them that attention. I think they've become a little bit less unique, maybe, in the last little while. Um, you know, I'm not bothered about seeing, say, Brooks Taichi mm. as a prime example. Um, it's a tough one, because I don't think it's necessarily an issue with belt. So I think it's just an issue with the talent they're maybe getting and then the situations they're putting those talents in. I think I spoke about it at length on the last York All show. They got around that book in very well with sort of distraction tactics and moving storylines on advancing. It's one of the biggest successes with Uprising. Yeah. As a show. Yeah, yeah. And like, would you have attracted the number of people you got to, say, the, um, the New Japan Rev Pro shows earlier in the year if you maybe hadn't done that? It's, it's a tough one. You've got your belt on Wrestle Kingdom. That's a massive deal. If you put your belt on, say, David Starr earlier on, you're not getting your belt on Wrestle Kingdom. Let's see how much this helps mm, with Repro's exposure, subscriptions, post-Wrestle Kingdom. And if it works out, then, mm. you know, it's not been for nothing. It's been for a reason. So it's always a question that I don't think is in any way black and white, and there are lots of variables to it. Yeah, I think there's a balance to it, isn't it? And I think... Yeah, there's a danger of tipping too far one way, but I do think they've got a handle on it. I kind of, I, I trust them into 2019. 
um, which does actually tie into our next question from again from Nick Lemprier. But why do you hate progress? I don't. <laughs> I None really of us do. Don't. I, you know what? I loved progress. Mm. Loved them. Had some great times. To be honest, Pro, uh, Benno, progress brought me and you back together, didn't it? It yeah. did. Yeah, we wouldn't brought be doing me this and podcast. You together, Benno. If it wasn't yeah. for, for progress, we wouldn't be doing this podcast. The first progress show I travelled to was the Osprey uh, get, Chat Chick Get Banged Osprey Skirl. And I was literally stood there and you two guys kind of walked in the room, didn't you? And took your standing position right in front of me. And we just started chatting. First time I met JP. First time I spoke yep. to you, Joe, in God knows how many years. And then from that, yeah. this podcast blossomed. So we can thank progress for that. Yeah, like progress is responsible for a bit of you know love at first sight for you and JP. There was a there yeah. was a connection, a chemistry there. You clicked straight away. Yeah. So I don't hate progress. I actually want to like progress more than I currently do. So, yeah. But I feel like progress progress is sort of like one of those mates who you got on with like really well. Like you know you had a, some really good times together, mm. but then you move apart a little bit and your interests and your your destinations in life become a little bit different. Your goals and your aspirations change. But you can get together every now and then and you have a good time, but maybe it's not quite the same as it once was. But then every now and then it might be the same as it once was. And you think there's hope here. Like that <laughs> Manchester show in November, which was excellent. Yeah. And you think, oh, could could more of this come? And it doesn't maybe come, but, you know, you, you live on in hope. I, I don't mm. want to be, to use some progress terms, I don't want to be, negative i want to be positive you and think that dick. one day i can love progress again mm. in the way i once did <laughs> yeah and i would say like for me like that's a a thing we kind of get and i would still say progress is my preferred presentation of wrestling as far as brit res goes i like i enjoy the rev pro shows i like the progress presentation better uh unfortunately a lot of times it's the progress booking that lets it down like Mm. A question I kind of I, I sneaked into the Ask Rev Joe was should we have considered progress for promotion of the year just based on some stuff that Mark Bubbledy sourced um, about about mainly about the fact that you know how how many places they've been this year how many shows they've run he put the numbers together on exactly how many people have attended progress shows this last year it's ridiculous although you compare it to 2019 and they really do seem to be slowing down in a, in a lot of different ways. But pure, I was kind of saying purely that Wembley show, maybe you could make an argument for them for promotion of the year, but it's same as last year. It's the booking. The booking is... I, I could I could even forgive the WWE stuff as much as that puts a bad taste in my oh. mouth. I could forgive it if the booking was any good and the booking is shocking. Um, the matches are still great. Yeah, There's still individual shows. I'm glad you brought that Manchester show up, Joe, because I was there. The atmosphere was incredible, and it kind of reminded me, you know, taking my brother who'd never been to a, a UK indie, it reminded me what was so great about going to progress shows, and you mm. do get those moments of hope, and I bet your unboxing's going to be great this weekend as well. Um, but it's the booking, isn't it? And it's, the, it's, it's that stuff that we criticise, and I think justifiably so i don't think we maybe, maybe we go overboard sometimes but generally i think we're people aren't we who are willing to have that conversation and when it's good we'll say it's good and when it's bad we'll give you our reasons as to, to why it's bad well i think yeah i think there's a couple of really crucial points that you kind of hit upon one of which is sort of to do with us but also the other one is more about the idea if you view a company by how it does business wise because if we do that then wwe is the the best promotion on earth because of the Fox deal. 
mm. because of the amount that's going to be bringing in and, and, and the capabilities that that allows them. That doesn't make them the best promotion in, in the world. In the same way that the best film of all time is not the film that grosses the most money. Mm. It, it It's not solely based on business for part of it. So part of for me, that's why they never came into the conversation. Because like you, the booking is what is the thing that kind of pushed me away. Mm. And then also going back and, and listening to a lot of the promos and you'd hear promos that were designed to kind of promote NXT UK and that stuff mm. left a really bad taste in my mouth. I'm Wendell thinking of Bill. the Zach Gibbs Trent Seven stuff at Manchester. See, for me, it's partly the booking. It's also partly how the um, pr- uh, how the approach changed as well. So I found that when I first got into progress, it was all about wrestling. When they started using um, like football-based kind of promotion mm. so like mm. ultras they had like merchandise that was based around that sort of more the scar yeah sort of like popular football sort of stuff they kind of respected that they had a big fan base of football fans or football chants you have people with football flags up and stuff as well and then jack sexwith came along they did the um lgbt gimmick with jack sexwith which i thought was excellent and i thought really helped jack sexwith initially but it brought along a different fan base and it was when that different fan base came along that I think progress changed quite a lot. And they started noticing that you got quite a lot of LGBTQ plus figures coming along to shows. And uh, yeah, I'm going down a dodgy uh, tract here. I know that. But I started finding that there was a real self-righteousness amongst various members of the, the fan base. And then suddenly progress went into ultra woke mode and then uh, woke Twitter collided with wrestling Twitter and wrestling woke Twitter really started to kind of dictate progress in many ways. And I feel like the promoters maybe took various figures like the Lady J says on board. And I think Callum Leslie had a massive impact and influence based on his political views and socio-political views on various what progress would give a platform to. And I started noticing that progress maybe were using figures in that community who they thought made them look good socially and maybe brought a slightly different fan base into the equation. And then it was a lot of the divisiveness and self-righteousness that actually turned me off of progress. And I say this as a very liberal uh, male. Um, I started finding there was more judgment. Um, and there was more divisiveness generally amongst the fan base, and it changed the fan base, it soured the fan base, and it made me feel quite uncomfortable at the shows, and I didn't feel like I maybe belonged at those shows anymore, and they were for me anymore. Um, Don't know if that's a fair point to make. I'm sure I'll get plenty of pelters based on that one, but hey, that's how I felt. It's a difficult line to walk, isn't it? Because obviously Mm. you're not saying that you know LGBT people shouldn't come to shows or them coming to shows no, in general so. is the problem it's that leaning into the using it as branding it's kind of what exactly and, and selling t-shirts with it on and none of yeah. that money going to any charities that was a big thing that kind of saw me on progress when they were doing a lot of that stuff i mean i i kind of think like i look at wxw and they've got their what's their logo it's something like uh love wrestling, love wrestling hate, hate racism hate ra- racism and i i mean i agree with most of your points joe but i do think it's a bit like football. Historically, I don't think it's been very. It was very welcoming to to those kind of people, and I think that it's a good thing to make those people feel welcome. It's just like you said, when there are certain members of that fan base who 
Ubik who kind of use it as a as a divisive tool um, and kind of make maybe where I agree with you more, Joe, that makes it, I don't know, that kind of goes past the point of, of reasonably encouraging all manners of fans to come to shows to turn it into something much more political. Um, and, and, yeah. Yeah. And I, one of the things I think as well is that um, a lot of this is about education. And I think a lot of what helps a lot of members of this Twitter community is judgment. And they are so willing to condemn, judge and throw people under the bus who maybe don't 100% agree with them rather than trying to educate and trying to inform people and trying to look for gradual change. It's like they want it instantaneously and a mindset should be changed there and then rather than, you know, an education process taking place. And I think the gimmick of a lot of these people is their position and their feeling in that community and what fulfillment they feel from being able to judge, condemn and throw people under the bus while looking like a holy even now person for supporting, say, a minority group. And it's like, no, it doesn't work like that. Like you're thinking about it in completely black and white terms when what is being discussed here are not black and white issues, maybe. Don't know if I've explained that very clearly. Sorry. (laughs) Anything more on that, JP? I was going to say that one of the things that, I mean, that, that we developed a reputation on, and I always think back to the, I think it was the preview we did for Alexandra Palace, the first show. And we were very, very critical because at that point there was a lot of stuff about the booking that we didn't like. Um, it it felt for me that what wasn't able to happen, this kind of ties in with what Joe's just been saying, actually, is that it's not the idea of disagreement. Disagreement itself is not the issue. The issue was that there wasn't, really a, a debate that was allowed to take place around about the problems with the booking and about the company as a general thing and for that debate to take place seriously now i know i'm ridiculous for thinking that online discourse can happen in the same sensible way in the 21st century that's dumb on my part and i realize that but that's ultimately kind of what it needs now we may say stuff that people wholeheartedly disagree with people who we get on with who go to to shows who we see a lot of the time at shows as well who don't feel the same way as us and you know what we managed to get on Mm. because ultimately that's you know we are trying to kind of start a debate of sorts and i think that's one of the things that we've always wanted to encourage is a debate and so when people have had you know criticisms of us i think that's you know a lot of the times is that fair play and you mentioned about progress that's not something we mentioned as promotion of the year you mentioned earlier on about eve and wrestle queendom and that wasn't brought up as promotion of the year and we're kind of you know happy to kind of talk about this stuff because we think it's actually be part of a much bigger sensible wrestling discourse that a lot of the time is not really allowed to take place Mm. and it's much easier to kind of go after people who are wanting to have this kind of conversation as opposed to say you know rather than having a go at fans because they may disagree with the point of view of how you protest about the Briscoes. Why not actually speak to the promoters themselves about why they put the Briscoes in the first place and yet still be happy to go along and support them? Because that just smells of nothing but rank hypocrisy. Mm. And those are the kind of issues you mentioned earlier on about Dan Reed and about speaking to other wrestling promoters rather than trying to go after effectively fans for not getting it or wrestling media for not being willing to talk about it as much. And it's like, well, actually, there are other people you could speak to in this debate. This is not a very sort of, it's a very simplistic way of looking at it. 
Yeah, I just think there's a lot of outrage that is uh, kind of, you know, it's a Twitter syndrome, if anything. It's one of the reasons I had to get off of Twitter, because unless you have an extreme opinion that goes one way or another, mm. you can't really belong, I find, mm. and you're judged and condemned. Like, mm. you know, I think the final straw for me was the whole Dave Meltzer, Peyton Royce debacle, which was the biggest WWE promoted lump on that you could possibly mm. ever imagine. And it's when I see stuff like bad man Andy Quilden touted on Twitter as if he's some like ultra bad man when he's a mixed race bloke from a working class background in South End of all places mm. and he gets thrown under the bus because he doesn't maybe make the exact type of comments or decisions that uh, these lot want him to make and it's just like come on you've got to rationalize this stuff this stuff isn't for lack of a better term black and white this stuff is nuanced actually think about what it is rather than having an extreme outrageous reaction to everything but with an out without an outrageous reaction you don't get noticed so mm. there's one of the issues and if you want to get noticed online you need to be outrageous i suppose and, and do we want a wrestling community that effectively is willing to kind of discuss lots of very disparate issues in a sensible way? Ultimately, I think that's what a lot of us want, but that's not the thing that gets you the most follows. Mm, indeed. Things like Sabu is cancelled or will get you the most followers. Um, but we, <laughs> <laughs> we maybe lost sight of that. But, but, but guys, but why do you hate progress? I mean... I'd... I don't. I don't. <laughs> hey, I've got a, I've got a progress bottle opener right here, and I'm sitting here, and I didn't realise it in a progress T-shirt, so no one can say yeah. I hate progress. I've been wearing a progress scarf the last couple of days around Bristol. I own zero progress merchandise, but you know, <laughs> not quite. So I hate actually. them more than you two. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't. I, I don't think it's hating. It's it's, it's like we we want to like. It. I, I would never say to anyone boycott it because there's lots of really good wrestlers that are on there. You know what? My foot club pissed me off. I've had to suffer Mark Hughes yeah. for like what since March, April. It's fucking depressing. Um, some of the internal structure at Southampton's been shite for a while now. I don't hate my football club in any way at all, but mm. it's the same as England. For years, I found England hard to watch, and I wanted to love England. I was almost in tears when we beat Colombia in the penalty shootout because someone in my brain is like hardwired to mm. sort of like love England when they're playing football in some weird way. Like, I don't want to hate them I in the same way I don't want to hate progress. I don't hate progress. I just want to be able to love them like I once did. <laughs> Perfect way to sum that up. Yeah, and, and just, sorry, just one last last thing to add on to this one as well. Go ahead. It, it's a case of if if the discourse was allowed to take place from the owners, and one of the things that originally turned me off was feeling like I was being bollocks, like a na naughty school kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that kind of stuff is just like there's a customer, um, you know, there's a service provider and the customer relationship still going on there, mm. and it's just like ah, it doesn't give you the – right to kind of speak to me speak to fans like we're pieces of shit yeah the social media attitude was absolutely terrible yeah, it was their bang part. out of order it's gotten better, though. it has been better this year uh, yeah okay fair through enough, gritted but teeth it, mate but it didn't help in the first place and i took them to absolute task on it once mm -hmm. and did a series of tweets where i absolutely owned them for big up me and uh <laughs> and the, the twitter account changed it was 
hi, Jim here. And it was like, oh, okay. So Briley can't handle it. So they've got good old <laughs> everyone's best mate Jim in to handle it. And it worked. Yeah. That's it. I think that hopefully they learned that lesson because, yeah, they kind of had like the social media guy handling most of the tweets this year. Um, but yeah, there's, that, there's still definitely that stank, isn't there, from back then? I mean, our next question kind of links directly into that because it comes from Benno at Benson Richard E. Um, he asks, oh. Does Joe secretly run at PW Gorilla Gang? Hashtag Ask Rev Joe. Mate, I've got no interest in Twitter. I've it's got the... no interest in the PW Girl Gang. It's a grill gang. Yeah, well, but yeah, it's yeah. a parody, obviously. <laughs> I've got no interest in the PW Girl Gang. <laughs> I can't think of an organisation or ever think of less. And if I was running the PW Grill Gang, it would mean the PW Girl Gang was at the forefront of my mind when running the PW Grill Gang. <laughs> I don't really like grilling. I don't eat a lot of meat. Um, no, absolutely not. I'd rather have as little to do with Twitter and mm. as little to do with the PW Girl Gang as I possibly can. So, no. Real shame. I, I blame your brother on it earlier. Are we, are we any closer it's to working out who it is? If who it is? was him, I would know it was him. <laughs> I know him like the back of my hand, trust me. <laughs> is it JP then? JP, you're my second suspect. It's not me. It, yeah. I haven't got time. I really don't have time. Between work, university, life, two kids girlfriend in a different city it's just like and, and wrestling i i honestly I, I don't even tweet anyway i yeah. barely have enough time in my life to kind of sort of like and retweet stuff most of it um it's one of the things i kind of at times i want to be actually weirdly more active in, to a certain degree but, but um yeah it's not me not me either so yeah anyone who's suspicious that it's one of us it is not uh, moving on then uh, our next question from new mantra on twitter um wow. <laughs> good friends of ours basically all of uh, all of joe's uh, friends and family are, are coming through today uh, sam <laughs> cooper asks thoughts on other tv shows such as bergerac <laughs> oh you wow you've got a mouthful of crisps as well there are about three people who know why he's asked that question um, he knows what my thoughts are on that TV show. Um, I'm not a fan of rural television. Um, so I've, I've never been able to get into Emmerdale. Country file is my, my idea of my own personal hell. Um, the really wildlife show when it was on CBBC, I was turning off. Really five, wild show. That was it. The one with Michaela Strachan and Howie. Yeah. Yeah, nah, too rural. If it wasn't inner Chris city realism, I wanted inner city realism. A bit of Grange Hill, a bit of Biker Grove, you know, I was turning <laughs> that over. Bergerac was set on what, Guernsey or Jersey? Jersey. Yeah. <sighs> too, My mum liked it, but that's not really a surprise. Too small town for me. No. Bergerac, he's a shite. And he knows that. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to wind you up, Joe. I've got no you strong feelings Berger? on it. I don't know about you, JP. No, I, I, I can't, can't recall ever watching it, sadly. How about you? I remember it because my mum liked it in the 80s. I remember the theme music, which is, um, have a listen. It could be at the start or the end. God knows, knowing us. Um, it's it's quite a, a, a sort of bleak piece of, piece of music to open it up. But yeah, a bit like Midsummer Murders, a lot of John Nettles sort of going around a very specific part of the world, investigating an inexplicable amount of crime going on there. I've been to Jersey, <laughs> hated it. And their fivers, it's weird, mate. <laughs> Why did you know. hate? I was there for like eight hours 
waiting for a ferry to come back to France. Kids were there as well. They were a lot younger. They weren't happy. What were you doing there? Nothing. Wandering around. You've been to the Isle of Wight? Yeah. That's a weird place. What were you doing over there? I was about 11 when we went to Isle of Wight. Oh, were you? Yeah. Uh, when I, I've been... Well, the Southampton Football League, the teams from the Isle of Wight were in the Southampton Football League. So we have to. We used to have to go to the Isle of Wight for games. It was great because it was like we were playing in Europe, getting a ferry to a game. It felt like we were VIPs, but <laughs> weird lot over there. No offence to any Isle of Wight listeners. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, Joe McCormack asks, who's a friend of mine? Yes, what? This is definitely directed at me. What are your memories of football rounders riding on the back of milk floats and a watch that could turn a telly over? This is <laughs> the audience of one here. He's asking about he basically Joe McCormack on on Twitter. We actually he used to live in the same street as me when I was like nine or ten, something like that. And like all we used to do in that street was watch wrestling, which explains why I'm so into wrestling, and play football rounders in the street. Ever played the game? Was it a game you played as kids? It's basically uh, not, not football rounders. I'm sort of more of a three and in. Headers and volleys, Wembley, yeah. Wembley doubles. Yeah, 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 I'm the same. Yeah, yeah, we used to, we used to play... All World Cup. I like Did football, you... rounders. Mm. Yeah, basically that's it. I think we thought we invented it as kids, but I'm pretty sure it's like, it's a thing, isn't it? What's the rules of that game, just out of interest? Well, we play at the end of the street, where it would be, it's basically rounders, where you get the ball kind of bowled to you. You'd kick it as if you were swinging a, a rounders bat or a baseball bat, and then you'd okay. have to go to the four pillars, which would basically be like a lamppost, the end of the okay. street, another lamppost. It's a great game. I would recommend it. I can understand the appeal. It sounds like much more fun than actual rounders, which I hated. There you go. We used to lose like the ball in rounders. people's gardens a lot, though. There was actual rounders. If I was batting, I used to miss the ball on purpose. I hope the backstop got it do a slow run to first base if I went out so I could just sit out for the old, old session I mean if I was filled in I worked out the second base got the least action because first base you're getting the ball from the backstop third and fourth someone gets around a bit second base no action at all I just sit myself in second base I don't have to do anything because I just hated rounders and you know what I was shit scared of that hard ball <laughs> what's, what's the riding on the back of milk floats oh, that was just another thing when the milk floats would come on a Saturday morning we'd uh, we'd convince the guy to let us ride on the back and he'd drive to... it was some young lad who we thought was a man but he was probably about 17 and he'd go down like crazy bumpy roads and we'd all almost fall off wouldn't happen today with all, like, with all your health and safety and stuff. Not Luckily, none of us died. I got covered in oil one day. There was that uh, from my feet Jesus down the back. And, and the watch with it that, that could turn a telly over, that was yeah. one of my mates who... It was one of the first people I saw with like a, a version of a smart watch when we were kids where it could... you could It was one of those watches where you could tune it in to take, change the TV channel. That's all it could really do. But it was very, very impressive for 1996. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that I can get completely get on board with all of that. <laughs> Sounds like the devil's work, this watch. I will say, go. even to this day, I'd be freaked out if somebody did that now. He used to go outside people's houses and try and change the channel through the window. I don't think it actually worked. But, <laughs> That's hey. the way that kind of gift should be spent. I think that and Knockdoor Run were like 90s trolling. Yeah, I mean, we call it Knockdown Ginger, Tap the Rap in Ireland. Mm. I don't know. We called what? it Nick Knock in, uh, in Liverpool. Nick Knock. Mm. Oh. Uh, Classic Mep. game. Occasionally you get caught. In London, you were better off saying, do you want your car washed? If you did get caught and somebody answered the door straight away. <laughs> Happened to me. So, like, panicked. So, 
say, do you want your car washed? They were like, no. I was like, thank God, because I haven't got a bucket or anything to wash your car with. Just walk away. Yeah, that's it. That's you the best part. The car instead. There was a bit of a craze for that, for nicking the kind of signs off cars. But that was when I was about sort of 10. I suppose the major petrolhead that you are, you couldn't resist taking a Mercedes. I, I car, love right? it. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's me. I'm all about cars, as you both know. I think with the worst we got was... <laughs> I think the worst we got was throwing eggs at cars on mischief night the night before Halloween. That was kind of as as crazy as got in Ascot Avenue with the ones. Good times. Mate, I was arrested for throwing eggs at a house, but that's a story for another day, so <laughs> we'll get into that. Um, next up Joe Mills asks us uh, favorite all-time heel or anti-hero and he says personally it's Barry Grant. That run in 1997 <laughs> when he saves Jackie Dixon and then Lindsay Corkill from Finnegan was immense. Hashtag Ask Rev Joe. Brilliant. One of my um, old teachers from college who I kept in contact with had a one-night stand with Jimmy Corkill's daughter, he told me once, but hey, that's a different story for a different time as well. Is she one of them? <laughs> no, I think Lindsay... I'm trying to think of Lindsay Corkill. Um, was she an Irish celebrity? You're wolfing in those crisps, aren't you, Joe? Bloody sorry, hell. Sorry. <laughs> Listeners, we've, we've had a couple of drinks at this point. We're on the Winter Pims. Look, okay. if anyone's still listening, they're used to us by now. If anyone's still listening, exactly, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's all very offhand here. Do we have an all-time heel or anti-hero? Um, I think we said Nick Cotton is all-time heel because he mm. was someone who loved playing a heel, was always a heel, flirted with being a tweener at best, but ultimately still a heel to the bitter end. Very true. Anti-hero, I think the Pauline Fowler run, because... Was she an anti-hero? Well, no, I think she's someone... Effectively, she's Walter White, <laughs> in some ways. She starts it starts off, like, watching EastEnders in 85 as someone who you kind of empathised with, and in my case, quietly fancied from Are You Being Served? But again, different story for a different time. I get that. But as she went on, and she became more and more demented particularly after Arthur's death, she kind of became like this kind of just horrific human being by the end, just hating everything and wanting to live in just absolute misery. So <laughs> I'm going to go with Pauline that. Fowler. That's, is that heel? It's, it's actually not an anti-hero at all. That's just pure. That's just becoming a heel. Hero. It's <laughs> the Johnny Gargano run. Indeed. Um, Martin Bushby asks, does Andy Q have you on retainer or just a one-off deal? Hashtag Ask Rev Joe. I think I know who that's directed at. <sighs> so did he pay you when you interviewed no. him? No. <laughs> just getting into it. Bit of money it. under the table. Um, he paid me in kindness and he paid me in a cup of tea. How about that? A yeah. fantastic podcast once a week. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's... And which I and everyone else gets to experience, so it's not really payment. It's payment to the collective community of wrestling fans. So maybe he's a bit of a socialist. Very true. That's <laughs> possible. Uh, um, next, oh, go on, Jeffy. No, 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 go on. No. Next up, Stephen Louch, uh, Took of the Draw podcast's very own, uh, asks: Given the disdain of all things Scottish wrestling related, oh no, uh, Bar Kaylee Ray and Viper on the shows, is there anything anyone we do enjoy, or is it just seen as ICW and nothing else happens up there? Shit, we've been called out. Uh, I think, I think, and I think, do you know what? It's, it's a fair point there. 
<laughs> I mean, that's. The, I I think I I said it because it's like more of a. I feel with ICW that there's like a massive opportunity that's ultimately going to be missed. There was a really, it was a promotion that had room to grow in a really good positive way, but had this really hardcore fan base that loved it mm. and was so invested in it. Like kind of, I don't want to say more heated than progress, but to a certain degree, yeah. Cause in that sort of, it felt like there was so much goodwill from the crowd towards ICW. And I think ultimately what they've been given is the same storylines on repeat for the last, what appear to be sort of four or five years involving the same group of talent. And there's an obvious geographical bias that goes in this as well is I live in Oxford. I don't live in Scotland. It's a long way, obviously to go up there for shows. And unless there's a guarantee of, a certain amount of wrestlers that I think I'm going to enjoy in unique matches, it's going to be a really hard sell for me. Mm. And there's never anything I've looked at ICW where I've thought, yeah, obviously I've watched, I've watched cards, but stuff that I've thought I'd be really invested to actually go up there and watch it. Mm. Um, I, I just think they're shortchanged and I think it's, it's terrible. And in some ways I wish I could, if somebody would show me some really good sort of, Scottish wrestling companies that are going on around there, I'd be more than happy to watch them. Mm. Yeah, like Joe always talks about Discovery, and I said before, I mean, what he was essentially saying that they're still great, but they're kind of scaling down next year, because I was kind of Mm. saying to him, oh, that's something I'd love to check a bit more out. And yeah, being honest, ICW is pretty much the extent of the Scottish wrestling I've watched, and it's one of the worst promotions of all time, if you ask me, as far as as far as storylines and an overall product goes. Um, I ranted enough on our best best of and our previous show that it's never been good, and I stand by that. Um, Joe, any any thoughts from you? If someone put a fair whack of money in front of me and said, "You can do this full time, or you can be paid to do this," um, here's some money. Use it for expenses to pay for flights to Scotland or for petrol to Scotland or to pay for Discovery Wrestling's VOD or to check a bit more out. Yeah, I'd do it. Mm. But I'm in a position where I've got such limited time. I've got a busy life. I've got a busy job. It's hard enough keeping up with all the wrestling I want to keep up with. ICW is the most high profile. It's the one we go to automatically. It's a shame because I'd like to be able to watch more of everything if I could, but it's just not realistic. Uh, Martin Bentley up next. That feels like more of a statement than a question. What's wobblier, the Crossroads set or Brit Res booking? <laughs> crossroads set. That's a great question. It is a, it's a great question. The Crossroads set. Yeah. I'm, I'm the only one out of the three of us old enough to sort of remember Crossroads. I remember when it came though. back in the early 2000s. Oh, fucking awful. It's terrible, terrible program. I lived in a soap-loving family. Benno, would you ever have seen any Crossroads? I know of it. I can't remember ever watching it, to be honest. You're missing um... nothing. <laughs> He's more of an El Dorado, man. Yeah, that, that's more my, my bag. Um, PW Grill Gang up next says, uh, how many, <laughs> and this is not Joe, JP, or me, how many, pro? he says Gress shows, I'm not a fan of that, Progress shows, won't be rescheduled from the usual Camden dates. So how many shows this next year won't be rescheduled? Well, so, more than one's already been rescheduled, so that's one too many, if you yeah. ask me. Let's go with uh, Will. I reckon if we were going over, this would have been a good one for Likely Unlikely on the uh, the Best Of show. I reckon yeah. we'll get, through, hmm, I want to say four, get rescheduled. I, do you know what? 
I'd kind of even go higher than four. I have a funny feeling that at some point WWE will have a some sort of meltdown about the whole NXT UK and I'll start demanding extra shows or something and they'll just start going a bit mad. Mm. And I think at that point they'll end up having to move a lot more of them. And that's more, not because I think the progress owners want this to happen, but more because WWE are mental. Indeed. Uh, Next up, Kieran Keynes. He gets another one because he came up with the hashtag. Shag, marry, kill. That's a great question too. (gasps) Doc Cotton, Pauline Fowler, Pat Butcher. Shag, marry, kill. Hashtag, ask Rev Joe. Uh, Shag, marry, kill. Right, Dot would make me like, um, I don't know, she'd be good. Marry Dot. The fags would do my head in, number one. Mm. Um, and that also, Butcher as well, then. Uh, yeah, Pat likes a fag as well, doesn't she? Um, Pat, I think, is a top woman, though, and would be great company. She's a great laugh. I loved her uh, brief um, dalliance with uh, Jeffrey from the Fresh Prince when he came into EastEnders for about a week once. <laughs> And they look like they had the best fucking time together. Um, but also, Frank is her one true love. Mm. And I don't think she... When Roy and her were together, she could never truly shake off the Frank ghost, if anything. He was always in the background, <laughs> wasn't he? So he'd always be, like, second best. So I'd probably marry Dot, because I think Jim... I love Jim Branning, what a character he was. He had a good time with Dot. She, you know, was helping him out, doing some good things for him got her on track she'd be steady i wouldn't go to church of her i'd draw the line there and I'd ask her to smoke outside because i can't stand smoking um, but uh, yeah we'd have a good run with me and dot and i think she'd be open minded enough to maybe come down to the the electric ballroom it's only a couple of tube stops away you know um we'd have a good time um pauline fowler was pretty fit in her day when she was in um I so. she was my track so yeah, I think I'd have to have a one-nighter with Pauline Fowler. Um, and unfortunately... Kill Pat Butcher. I'm going to have to watch Pat fall to her death. Um, but at the same time, if Frank's dead, what is she without Frank? So I'm just putting her out of her misery, really. <laughs> she, can, she can go join her one true love in, you know, in the sky somewhere. <laughs> Agreed. I'm going shag Pauline. I think I might kill Doc because I probably couldn't put up with her. Um, but then I'd have to marry Pat, so that's not great either. Uh, don't know if you've got any different uh, opinion there, JP. Um, marry Dot, shag Pat, kill Pauline. Fair enough. Um, next question. <laughs> no explanation. <laughs> Dylan Shaw. Uh, I don't get this one. Hopefully one of you two guys do. What would be the El Dorado reference for British wrestling? What do you mean by that? So El Dorado was a British soap opera that was started up in the early 90s and last about a year. And the oh really the BBC hyped it to death like Do you not remember this? Absolutely no, I, don't. Like, I was about five, so I don't really remember it at the time, but we've seen stuff since. And mm. it was starring um Larry Lamb, who later went on to play Archie oh, yeah. in EastEnders, Mick and Gavin and Stacey or the rest Marcus of it. Tandy. Yeah, and um Jesse Birdsall, yeah, who, who looks a bit like Mark Kermode. M- Marcus Tandy. Was that his name? Marcus Standy. Okay. Uh, yes. Um, he's married to Cassandra from Only Fools and Horses as Jesse Birds. Really? Yeah, yeah. And he was also Ron Gregory in the bill. Good criminal. <laughs> um, El Dorado. Might be Five Star, because Five Star started yeah. a, load of, yeah. a load of cash, you know, didn't know how to 
book, didn't know what they were doing. Lots TV, live TV. Yeah, lots mm. of big get big names as well. Went tits up in no time, and they were gone in no time. Flash in the pan. So Damn. maybe five star can take the El Dorado position there. Yeah, based on that description, honorary mention for ITV Elder Sport as well. Uh, maybe that's yeah. Uh, yeah. similar as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next one up from uh, Gary on Graps, uh, good friend of the show uh, and a good bloke. Uh, what other consignments do you see JP adding to his portfolio <laughs> in 2019? <laughs> uh, uh, he's got some follow-up questions to that, but oh. JP, what are we adding as well as Young Boy correspondence, women's wrestling <laughs> correspondence, Euro Graps correspondence? When he sounds the Irish young boy and women's correspondent. correspondent, that alone makes me sound like so dodgy from the very, very game. You are. Let's listen to your voice. No, that's true. Um, Irish wrestling correspondent, I'm all right with that. Although that's a criminal disservice. If anything, follow Gary. Gary really knows his Irish wrestling onions. Um, in terms of this, I can see myself doing more I haven't watched more death matches because YouTube busters all find it funny for me to watch stuff that <laughs> secretly hate. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of what... I know where you're going next. Go on. I recently saw that you downloaded a Brazilian wrestling show. <laughs> yeah, <I did>. yes. <laughs> That's not you're even your... You're going to be the Tim Vickery of this podcast <laughs> and you're going to become the South American wrestling correspondent. Do you think I'm going to jump jump on board that scene because it's it's so low level, not quite hit its peak yet? That maybe this is where I need to get yeah. on board, mate. You've been looking for your niche. I have, uh, and this could be your niche. I'll just start probably going on about yeah, yeah. I could see, I can see that happening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it would just be wacky shit. <laughs> Uh, he also asks us, uh, when are we coming over for OTT? Because he wants to buy us a pint. We need to do that. Oh. We do I know you guys did it last year, but yeah, I've not been over. Um, won't be February because of uh, PCW commitments that we've got. Um, but hopefully, uh, at some point this year, we've got to do it. I'm up for a pint. Cheers, mm. Gary. Gary, if you want us over sooner, flight tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free, pal. I don't think that Eurograph's money is going that far. But we will see exactly. Gary in Germany. We'll exactly. see him he, uh, he, travels to enough, he travels to enough shows as it is, Gary. Bless him for it. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd love to go over. Um, it's one of the, the one of the things I'd love to see in 2019, if they could do it. And I pray to God they're able to do it. But deliver on Walter Devlin. Um, if they can do that and sell out the national basketball arena where it may be or or the national stadium then that'll be an amazing show i'd love to be over for that if they do a contender show as well potentially go over again a league of ireland game on the friday night as well that'd be awesome um a lot of love for that league um oh yeah if the gaelic's on i'd be up for watching the gaelic admittedly need to be waterford but you know i'd happily watch any of the if Dublin are playing in something but good luck getting a ticket if it's the football anyway but um anyway I don't know where I'm going with this love to go over there for those those when those shows are going to be um god knows really fair enough here's a change of pace uh got a twitter account that I honestly thought was trolling us but it is a legitimate twitter account at rbx2000 like <laughs> like a guitar negra perfect question tagged you in a jp Ideal conditions for masturbating. JP, JP, go ahead. Oh, <laughs> ideal conditions for masturbating. Well, <laughs> I don't know why I thought of you when when I got that question, but I just thought, JP, you've got the experience, Edge, on us. I feel like you can answer it best. It is. 
how not to do this and completely destroy any sort of semblance of, of respect that, that my, people might have had for me before. Uh, I'd, I'd say lying down. Um, really? Get rid of your lube stuff. I'm old school. Don't need that. Um, this sofa we're currently But then on. again, I'm, I'm, speaking, I'm speaking as a man. So obviously I'm coming to this from one point of view for this. Um, There's nothing like an empty house, I would say that helps. Three? Yeah. Bloody, like, why? That's just me, mate. I'm, I'm weird like that. So your head's got to be in the perfect position while you're doing it? Yeah. Okay. Like, where in this house would you usually... <laughs> on this on this sofa? No, not on this sofa. What no. leather, is it the leather? Get a bit stuck to it if you get a bit <laughs> sweaty. Sweaty. Uh, you could do. It's it's more the fact that I've got a balcony onto an open street. That, 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 that... If you turn the lights up in here, no one is sick. No, it's it's... Yeah. It's not going to be there. <laughs> it's, going to, it's going to be on my my bedroom here. So this is this is going downhill. This conversation, isn't it? This one. Joe, um, next time you visit to do a podcast, come with like a like, ultraviolet light ooh. and just see what you can find. It's I'm, a difficult one. Uh, on a serious level, it's it's a it's one of the most personal things you'll ever do. Making love to yourself. So, <laughs> in terms of the ideal conditions, that's such a subjective thing. And me. At the end of the day, I'm, you know, I'm older. I've, I'm fixed in my ways. I, I don't like to mess around with, with, you know, any fancy gadgets and the rest of it. It's purely meat and potatoes. <laughs> wow. Well, that was the answer that we were all hoping for. There you go. I don't think that really answered anything. To no, be it you. didn't, did it? Please carry I, on. Oh, no. save that for another time. <laughs> I'm going with empty house where you can do it in comfort. And no one's going to bother you. That's that's what you want. That that's kind of the uh, guilt. That should have been the answer I gave, Benno. <laughs> you can turn the volume up. That's the important thing, there. You know, it's, uh, it's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, back on topic. Um, our good friend Jamesy asks just a request, really. Please make a Jim Smallman and he send us analogy. Hashtag Ask Rev Joe. Oh my God! Talk about on the spot. Who is Jim Smallman in EastEnders canon? Alfie Moon. <laughs> He's everyone's mate. Oi, 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 oi. He likes to make lots of noise and he likes to maybe have little conversations, but then distract people and go, oi, 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 in some way. Everyone loves him. Jim Smallman in a progress ring is like Alfie Moon behind the bar in the Queen Vic. Um, yeah, is that good enough? Um, yeah, um, I'd definitely go Alfie Moon for Jim Smallman. Similar attitude, but Shane Ritchie was previously a stand-up comedian as well. So, you know, there's that that fits them both. Um, I could see it happening. I feel like what Jim Smallman has in colour with his tattoos, Alfie Moon makes up for in colour with his shirts. <laughs> There you go. Put him in a backwards cap and a progress t-shirt. It works. Um, next one up then related to that, Ian Hamilton asks, it's not EastEnders, but who in Brit Res would be Curly from Corrie? Uh, my dad looks a bit like Curly, actually. <laughs> he does. <laughs> yeah. He really does. Oh, Curly from Corrie. So Curly was a bit of a loser, wasn't he? And he had the relationship with Raquel, if I remember rightly. Sarah Lancashire? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, recently in um, Happy Valley, amongst other things. Um, yeah, she's 
done excellent yeah, work she's, isn't she, she's, since leaving Coronation she's Street. Done Whereas Curly, I think he's been on the booze, had alcohol problems, and just been trying to support Man City from what I've seen <laughs> at various points. So it would be Curly. Um, bit of a loser, unlucky in love. Man, I'm really struggling with this one, actually. Jack Sexsmith. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a shame, that one. That's think... No, but we really like him. Now, there's a way I of... Like t- Curly. Now, imagine... Yeah, we get Curly on a bit of a comeback, being able to find true love. Has he, has he never come back? I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't think he has. Poor Curly. Poor Curly. I feel awful <laughs> about it now. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that's the analogy that could work. But Jack Sexsmith's young. <laughs> Curly is. He was what? also in a band with Johnny Marr from the Smiths. Was um, really Kevin Kennedy? Oh, it's a ridiculous. I know Curly Watt's real name. <laughs> like, I don't know how I know this shite. But yeah, him and Johnny Marr were in a band together, and they had trials from Man City together as well. Apparently, fucking hell. Yeah. Uh, well, the link to that. Uh, Andrew Sinclair, a uh, big fan of his work. He writes for Voices of Wrestling, Fighting Spirit. He asks, and again, these were this is just the order they came in. He asks, who would you describe as the Zach Dingle of Brit Res? If we, uh, we're going to put you on the spot one more time. Mate, Emmerdale was too rural for my taste. I can't watch. If we've learned anything. Fucking far- I can't relate, relate to farm folks. I find it hard to relate to most to- <laughs> most Tories. So, you know. Um, I, I just, my oh. nan used to watch Emmerdale and I'd walk out the room and oh. I was indoctrinated with soap operas as a kid, which is how I know this shite. <laughs> EastEnders, Corey, Neighbours, I was sticking around for. Home and Away, eh, I was probably out the room. Uh, Brookside, I was definitely in the room. Emmerdale, come on. I was I was out of the room. I was on my Game Boy. I was reading my granddad's <laughs> copy of the Daily Mirror. I could not watch Emmerdale. I saw lots of green. I heard the theme song. I saw the opening credits with those hills. And immediately, I, my, I wasn't engaged because I could see green and hills. And I hate the British countryside. <laughs> If, we, if I was going to go with anyone for Zach Dingle, Zach Dingle maybe Henry O'Gorgon, Phineas, something like that. That's well, a big country, I, isn't it? I'm trying to think. It's a very PCW gimmick. And and what would work in PCW? I'm going to make a bit of a Big T Justice. <laughs> How about that? Zach Dingle. I'll take it. <laughs> oh, we've gone way off the rails. Oh, um, yeah. Wrestling question, uh, Matt Dagnall, uh, WrestlePhoto UK. Do you think RevPro can survive WWE's power plays, including running your call? Is it just a matter of time before they go out of business or are bought out? I can't see that happening. Don't know about you guys. I I can see them having lean years and years where they're going to have to rethink in terms of a business strategy. But I actually think for the most part, they are going to be able to kind of get by the... The issue is going to be, and this has been one of the problems I've had, is in terms of what people talk about, this other tier that's going to come up and take over and, and suddenly replace Pete Dunn and Tyler Bate off the independent scene, That I'm not convinced that is going to come up nearly as quickly as what people think. It, it takes time. I think that RevPro are going to have to have a really heavy job in being able to do that. Um, and even if people get signed away, I think there's going to come a point where there's going to be enough wrestlers to use. And I think there's enough goodwill with the new Japan relationship 
God knows what happens with future relationships with, I think they, the, the nascent partnership with CMLL and with R and with ROH, which I don't think has necessarily done them as many favors as perhaps what he should have done. So even to get sort of Marty Skull is not something that's that they're really able to do. So I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be around in terms of running your call. I can really see WWE putting, deciding that's our London venue mm. and doing it for no other reason, not because they like it, not because of how, how it might be able to film and the nights they're able to book it, but purely to stop red pro using it. Yeah. I think WWE's move is very obvious on this one. Um, I think red pro will be fine. I think they've got mm. their place in the market. I think they've got the new Japan relationship. And I think as long as that is strong, there will be an audience for them because there's going to be an audience for New Japan. I can't see that New Japan audience collapsing overnight. Um, and if there's that audience for New Japan, I think if they're bringing New Japan wrestlers in still, they're going to have an audience. So I can't see it happening. You've also got Portsmouth where they've got a very solid base, and very solid foundation. There's not really a venue in Portsmouth for WWE to run. They certainly ain't going down Pompey Guild or anytime soon. <laughs> That's not a WWE type venue. The Pyramid Center, uh, big swimming pool there. Um, can't see him running that either. Uh, nah, I, I, I think they'll be fine. I don't. I think you know they might it'd be a bit annoying. It'll be a bit of a fight, but at the same time, um, as much as those. T- Quats or try and you know make their cynical moves. I think that um, Rev Pro are going to retain that base, and I think yeah they'll be all right. Yeah, they survived Ring of Honor running it. They survived Eve running it. WWE is definitely a different kettle of fish, but it's a bit like boxing. I think um, as long as they don't get pushed out of running the building and there's no exclusivity deal, because um, I do think that'd be a big hit if Rev Pro couldn't run your call anymore. That'd be what I'd be more worried about. But if they're both running it, um, I think they'll continue to to thrive. Um, it's a different audience for me. I mean, who really wants to go see that NXT UK product right now? Um, yeah, I, I don't see it. Mm. The numbers it draws at York Hall are going to be fascinating. I really mm. hope. I'm going to say it now to anyone listening to this. Don't go to those shows. Don't bother. And this isn't because I'm on the Rev Pro, Rev Pro payroll. <laughs> like, you know, if they're struggling, they can't afford to pay me with the numbers I charge, that's for sure. Um <laughs> Don't go to those NXT UK shows. Fuck them off. They're not worth it. Save your money and go to some good, proper British wrestling shows that are promoted by decent promoters putting good independent talent on those shows because this move by WWE is the most transparent move you could possibly ever imagine. I'm all for people going to good wrestling, having a good time, spending their money in wrestling, a bit of free will. But those shows, fuck them. Don't bother. Next question. Day Owen. (laughs) What will it take for Joe to make a return to Twitter? Oh, no. Uh, enough. I'm never happening. Oh, gutted. <laughs> You're not missing it, Joe? Um, no. <laughs> In the same way that Simon Wicks never returned to EastEnders until he returned in a post credit sequence after the death of his mother, Pat Butcher, and he just put some flowers down in their grave, um, I'm going to continue down the same trajectory as Nick Berry... Um, and never return to Twitter because I don't miss it. Um, It's something that I used to go on constantly and just find myself scrolling through absolute rubbish, find myself getting annoyed, angry, um, emotional, 
emotional. Um, it's a good job we don't like that now. Several times a day. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I found that I used to waste a lot of time, thought and effort on it. And as soon as I got rid of it, I've never felt better for not having something not in my life anymore. Mm. And it's a bit of a shame because there are some absolutely great things about Twitter. Twitter, but when doing this and being so, I suppose, so involved in the British wrestling community, all the rest of it, at this point in time, I sound like a twat saying that. I know um, it's a bit annoying not having it, but th- the kind of benefits of not having it outweigh the things that I think are good about Twitter because the rubbish dominates the good on Twitter, and I think it's quite a toxic environment that I just do not miss in any way whatsoever. We'll just keep showing you the best of it, Joe, um, like we are here with hashtag Rev Joe. You can always rely on me and JP to give you the uh, the best screenshots. Yeah. Um, True. Next up, uh, who's the bi- <laughs> get a lot of these questions? Who's the Billy Mitchell of pro wrestling? Do we have a? Uh... <laughs> oh, so the you... Billy Mitchell. You got to think. So Billy Mitchell, chicken was... shit. You want? He's a he's Spike Dudley. Yeah. He's a bit of a runt. He's a bit of a loser. The runt of the Mitchell got... litter. Yeah, he's got two brothers who are harder than him and better than him in many ways. Oh, that's perfect. And he, and he picks up their scraps and he try, he's constantly after the affection of the of the two bigger blokes, but he can't get it and he's constantly searching for it and he just ends up being the little runt of a litter most of the time. There you go. Perfect. Uh, Is there a better one you can think of? Yeah. Is it Chris Von Eric? I, I'm, mate, Sorry, I'm that's not up a horrible. My, not up on my world class. It's, that's actually quite offensive. So we'll just walk away from that. Okay. <laughs> we've, we've actually got another question for JP here from at uh, Sam Lemon ninety. Oh, um, here we go. <laughs> what's your opinion on hard carrying? Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, I'm not a fan. What's yeah, that no, mean, it has JP? to take place. Um, this comes into oh, it's a thing about having to work around builders and the idea of sort of common sense logic and the i it's something that's always bothered me that somehow I'm just going to say it as it is I just get very angry about like the idea that white van men were were kind of yodas in disguise <laughs> and that. Somehow the country hadn't picked up on this. Um, I'm, I'm I'm not a fan of that point of view, and therefore one of the things I end up saying is, just because you're hod carrying doesn't make you Yoda, all right? <laughs> doesn't mean you've got some great insight into how how the world runs. I'll leave it at that because it could possibly be deeply offensive to many people who are hod carrying, and good on you. It's not something I'm going to be doing. And carry on with it, just at the same time. Don't tell me how shit works. I know how that exists. You haven't got a real job. That's the problem. Honestly, bring them in and have them teach. They'll be fucked in half an hour. <laughs> Shall I move on? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on top of question, Will Cooling asks, and we might not be able to do the full thing, but he asks us... If Rev Pro were to run an arena large enough to beat Progress's Wembley attendance, he asks what card would you book? Maybe we haven't got time to go through a full card, but what, what do you think would be the draw for something like that? What would you do? 
Um, I think you should return to the Osprey Zack Sabre Jr. feud, mm. which Rev Pro haven't really returned to since that epic match they had in November last year. Mm. And that's been kind of a feud that's been fought basically around the in ring, where you've had Osprey lose, I'm pretty sure, every match to Zack. Or did he? No, I think he beat him in a non title match in Portsmouth. Um, but every match that Zach has won, he's won with a like absolutely ridiculous submission where he essentially sits on Osprey's head. Um, and every match has got gotten better than the next. And Osprey's improved as a wrestler with each match. And it always feels like Osprey's almost there, but he's not quite there. And I think with Osprey's improvement, his move to heavyweight this year, I think that you've got an absolutely huge match that you can book between Will Ospreay and Zack Sabre Jr. Right there, we have Ospreay winning the belt at the end of the day. Mm. Um, I think there are ways you can promote it, especially with video packages and interviews leading up to the match, training montages, all sorts. Get um, Crooked Gentleman on board, and I think he'd make the feud look as epic as it deserves to be because these two, uh, they've come close to five stars, and I think if they have a match on that, platform on that level at this point in time i think they can bang out a five-star match um what else would i have in the card you'd have to have a marty skull return in some way i think as well i think you'd have to have heavy um, new japan. Especially... I, I don't see sorry, it sorry say it again i think you'd have to have a heavy new japan like element I, I, I mean obviously you could have that tie in with with zach and osprey mm. and make it for the rev pro belt slash the never belt or something like that but i do think the only way Rev Pro do it really is, and they came very close with the the New Japan shows last year, is to do another New Japan show and have like a heavy duty New Japan main event. Um, I don't know if they can do it with a with a purely Rev Pro card. Yeah, I think I think that, I agree. I, I'd, I I think going alongside Zach Osprey, you'd have to have. I think they need the Golden Lovers. I Whether think you need the Golden Lovers. Yeah, tag team. I actually kind of think you need a big New Japan singles. Something of real consequence, something that yeah. where the the idea of a title possibility might happen. The kind of thing you might headline a Sakura Genesis with, that you actually decide to move to that. I'm not, I mean, the Sakura Genesis kind of main event that I've actually got in mind can't ever happen again. But Shibata versus Okada, something that feels like I don't think a, they'd ever get anything that big. Well, that, that's it. It depends on who you build in I, that time. I who want... New Japan decide to go with in 2019 as being a. Do they move up a Sonata, for example? Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. I think we need one of the tag teams in Rev Pro to step it up to a level where it would feel legitimate if they were competing with, say, the Golden Lovers or the Young Bucks again. Mm. Um, I also wonder where Tanahashi goes if he doesn't win the belt on the 4th of Jan. I think they might start scaling him down after this one last run. And I think maybe once we're done with Suzuki and Ishii as the main guys that Rev Pro are bringing in, could Tanahashi be a guy that Rev Pro get a little bit more possibly? Could we promote a big yeah. Tanahashi singles match? I think coming off uh, Tokyo Dome show this year, that could be a massive deal as well. Yeah. Um, I'd love to see Tanahashi do a, a big major match over here. But it's who it's with. What about a Tanahashi-David Starr match? It seems like a weird dynamic, but could yeah. it work? Yeah. David Starr and Marty have never had... I can't think of a David Starr-Marty scale match that I've seen before. I know Marty's probably a step down from Tanahashi, um, but it's a match that I would like to see potentially as well, especially 
with them both being uh, junior wrestlers, essentially. I think there are lots of options that you could, mm. you could look towards. But I think, yeah, they would be having to get those New Japan talents in. But they have to be looking at some of the elite as well. I think mm. someone like a Hangman Page is someone that I'd like to see in Rev Pro next year as well. I'd like to see Juice Robinson come back to Rev Pro. I don't think we got enough of Juice in Rev Pro last year, and he doesn't take a lot of outside bookings outside of New Japan. And I think mm. he does really doing good... a lot more Ring of Honor in 2019. He is, so that's the... he is, yeah. But I think Rev Pro would be a good base for him to come over for bigger shows as well. So it's a hard one to come up with a card off the top of my head, but yeah. I, I don't know. Be like the the spine of the card, wouldn't it? Something like that. Yeah. I... Ultimately, you know, I've seen some interesting suggestions. One of the things that, that Will says is Omega versus Osprey. I, I, think, I think New Japan would want to promote that themselves yeah, at some point. Yeah. Well, Osprey's I, going heavy next year, isn't he? So that's got to be like a plan at some point. I could I could see them doing that. And if they were going to try and make that big splash in the UK to do it, ultimately these things come down to, if you're talking about even booking the arena, what is going to do more than 4750 mm. And it's difficult to know how you do that without TV and mainstream kind of yeah, press exactly. coming into the mix. And and that, for me, is the big thing. It's not necessarily even the card would be able to get that because I don't think the card Progress had for Wembley was necessarily one that felt sort of epic of all, all time kind of card that they would have to sell their biggest show of all time. Mm. And I think for, for this kind of a card, it's it's more about what kind of attention could they get. And I'm not saying put Dave Benson finish. Phillips into the main event or something oh, wild it. like that. Jimmy Bullard, um, Jeff Jarrett. Je- yeah, Grant Holt. <laughs> All the stars. I, I think it's more, I think the progress draw was more about the event. It was yeah. an event. People felt yeah. it was an event. And they need, they need to make this feel like an event that you mm, must yeah. be at. I don't think it's necessarily any one match. A match that I do think they could do though, and I can't see even holding them back from doing it, Omega versus Pack. There's a mm. dream match right there. Yeah. And it doesn't look like Pack from what we what we're seeing is setting up in New Japan anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Is it a match that Rev Pro could perhaps book if they're able to get Omega for a day? I know it's tough, but mm. it'd be something I'd love to see. Definitely. Um Will Cooling follows up with uh, obviously we're all worried about key UK talent leaving for overseas. So he asks, How worried are we that two thousand nineteen is the year that we lose Lord Gideon Gray as Ghetto snaps him up? <laughs> I could see it. <laughs> um, I'd love to see it, and I'd be willing to lose him if he was on that bigger platform because I think he's great, and I'd love to see it, but I don't see it happening. My favorite part of that question is uh, people on Twitter replying to Will taking him seriously, going on about Indiana Anorax worrying too much about who he's going to WWE, uh, <laughs> not getting the punchline in, in that very yeah. obvious joke. Um, that's Twitter. That's Twitter. That is Twitter. Um, Dylan Shaw, uh, an important question. What do you think of KFC's new chips? And also, as a wrestling-related question, can we expect to see JP in an ICW show if they ever come <laughs> south again? I haven't had the new KFC chips. I-, I hated the old ones, but that was mainly because they come without, they came without salt and you had to put the salt on yourself, and I was lazy, and I found as I put the salt on myself, they're actually not that bad. But I haven't tried the new ones. I don't know about you two guys. I haven't tried. I've been to a KFC in about sort of six, seven months. You won't find a bloke like me besmirching my good name by eating in KFC. Oh, even the boneless <laughs> banquet. Really are. Boneless uh, banquet with gravy, Joe? Come on. 
Oh, I can't stand the stuff. No oh, thanks. Terrible. <laughs> JP, um, you going to ICW? Oh. No. I'll just <laughs> say it like as that. The hardest I question you've see. answered all day. What, what card would they put on that I'd be thinking, I'm, I'm off to that. I want to see this. <laughs> oh, look, they're doing Mark Coffey line art. Great. Good luck with that. Kiggy party? Yeah. I like Shaw Samuels. Well, you're a kinky fucker with your three pillows for your... <laughs> and all the rest of it. Um, yeah, I could see you getting under a kinky party versus polo promotions. Nickelback? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. No. Um, I, don't, I don't see it happening, but I don't think they're going to run down south because I'm not sure they're going to exist for that much longer. What about they get like a, like a Scottish celebrity, like Ali McCoist versus Grado or something like that? That's not going to sell me on that. You don't have Ali McCoy's fair? Not really. Got Mo Johnston in. That okay. might be good for a giggle. George Gray's <laughs> manager. Charlie Nicholas, and I'll probably be okay. there. Cause I like Champagne Charlie. He was my favourite Arsenal player as a kid. But Charlie Nicholas versus Grado. Again, you could hold it in Oxford, and I'd really um and ah about whether or not I'd go to it. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of them. If it was in your back garden, JP, you'd draw the curtains. Um, that's ICW. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, next up, I'll throw one more in from Nick Lemprier because I do like the question. Uh, it's similar to a question we had earlier. Which of you is closest, the closest equivalent to Jim Smallman, oh. Glenn Joseph? And he puts John, whatever he's called, John Briley. Uh, I've got some thoughts on this one. Uh, we had some votes in the comments as well as to who particularly JP might be, as you alluded to earlier. But uh, yeah. I think we'll get a consensus on this one. Who's who? <laughs> right, JP's one man, let's be honest. We don't even need to discuss it. Benno, over to you. <laughs> I mean, JP's definitely Smallman because he's friends with everyone, uh, chats to everyone. Yeah. The, the life and soul you are, JP. Uh, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't speak to anybody in Germany. So I've got to go with you for being small. Win. I do he's think... more legit, though. <laughs> more in... Yeah, he's got more integrity than small. That's it. I believe it with JP. Um, yeah, same. That leaves us, though, Joe. We've got to fight over this. Who's Briley and who's Glenn Joseph? Mate, I'd rather top myself. <laughs> I, I think I might be Briley. I listened to Briley on um, Flashburger Webster's podcast. And a lot of the things he said about locking him away to, to edit progress shows reminded myself of locking myself away to edit podcasts. I, 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 I can't agree with his 90s wrestling sense or his, 2000, or his getting into wrestling via SmackDown in 2006, 2007. Fortune was a great faction, though. True. <laughs> we've, got a, we've got a lot of disagreement there, but I do think that, yeah, maybe I've got a little bit in common with Briley there um, being somewhat anti <laughs> But I don't know if that... WCW Thunder in the year 2000 yeah. great wrestling. <laughs> you are, Glenn. Hey, you and Glenn, shit, what was that message board that you were supposed to post on? My hair's receding. <laughs> Fashion Glenn. sense, is that a thing? I wrestlers by their nicknames in a cheesy manner. Oh. <laughs> I think you dress better than him, Joe. What? I think you dress better than him. <laughs> it doesn't take much. Think of it Jesus. this way, though. In terms, in in terms of the roles that, that we all do, I mean, and and Glenn comes out with wild, wacky stuff, to say, <laughs> and and Benno's tailoring away, doing doing this, and occasionally, you know, he might be spiky with someone on Twitter. 
I like to be friends with every person that seems to have ever existed and ever gone to a wrestling <laughs> show. Not in a creep way, I might add. But Not at all, JP. You're beloved. But, uh, but at the same time, I, th- I think that's I think that's how we've fallen into this. <laughs> I'm happy with choice, by the way. I'm not going to cry on camera because I watch a video of two people who follow me around the country. I, I don't know that progress documentary I'm referring to. What a <laughs> yeah, poor documentary that was. Oh my god, I can't. I've never. Oh, nah, nah. I, I might retire from this podcast. <laughs> Oh, oh Nick's got to us in a big, big I'm way now, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it could be worse. It could be the Callum Leslie of the group. So, you know, take it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Andy Ogden, typical Andy Ogden question. What's everybody's favourite beer or pub to recommend? We kind of touched on the beer earlier. Um, I, I'll, I'll go further on what I said earlier. Like a lot of beers, like Warsteiner and Bitburger, which are very typical German beers. Like the Germans will laugh at that, them being some of my favourite beers. But I like them. I like a good wheat beer. The Ship in Mighton in Liverpool is a great pub that I recommend. It is the the first real ale slash place where you could get actually interesting beers in Liverpool. I was aware of, and it still remains. I think Cameron's pub of the year many years. Uh, you guys got a pub. It's a good one for Joe's beer corner. This Joe, uh, a beer of uh, of of choice that you'd recommend or a pub. Um. Oh God. Um. Well, Andy Ogden. He's asking this question. He's the man. He's the expert on this one. Um, one of the places I and toilets and toilets as well. My favourite beer. I recently had a northeastern pe- uh, northeastern IPA, which mm. is an absolutely fine beer. And all the beer aficionados are losing their shit over it. I was reading some beer magazine called Furman recently, and they were <laughs> they were going about the any IPA, and I've had a few of them recently. I tell you what, they are absolutely fine beer. It's really smooth, a little bit of a fruity aroma to some of them as well. They picture very nicely, very sort of creamy, like a good version of Boddington's. Boddington's aesthetically looks great. You've got Mel Sykes, obviously, in the ice cream van as well and all the rest of it before (laughs) Des O'Connor came along and ruined her. Um, And it just looks great and tastes great, whereas a Boddington's tasted like shit. Um, Yeah, so I'll go for the Northeastern IPA by Red Church Brewery. In terms of pubs, well, what better pub is there than the Dundee Arms in British wrestling? Oh, you know, I can think of one. When I first started going to, uh, okay, <laughs> when I first started going to British wrestling shows, it was a proper East End boozer, a brassy bar, baby, behind the bar, yeah. proper Peggy Mitchell saw all the boxing paraphernalia up behind there. Felt like a proper pub. Over the years, it's changed quite dramatically, but it's still got its a little bit of identity and it's still got its presence. When you've got Matt Riddle drinking in the Dundee Arms and you've got Trent Seven turning up in the Dundee Arms and proclaiming to have Vince McMahon on speed dial, you know you're in a good pub. <laughs> JP? I, I like to add a pub that's dear in all of our hearts, the Stanley Arms in Preston. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, yeah. Um, that's, that's a pub and a half. Um, if you want a mixture of kind of northern soul nothing that's going to be played there is past the year of 1996 wrestling fans wrestlers wrestlers as doorman <laughs> um indiscriminately speaking having nice conversations and then seeing lads being chucked out 
like out in their ass, out of nowhere, really. It kind of that, and it also had the championship on the TV in the corner. So I caught a few oh, of the goals. It? Yeah, oh, I did. Okay. I watched that. Fascinating conversations about Brexit as well. Yeah, the locals. Um... It was a great pub, and I'm, we're not saying this in a condescending way. We had a great night. And you know what that's got in common with the Dundee Arms? Matt Riddle turned up there as well. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, the Stanley Arms. I was just having a thought. You know that War Games match, the Brookside versus East Enders match I spoke about earlier? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How would Stephen Flutter book that match? Because oh. there would be some proper lumps in that match, wouldn't there? <laughs> It'd just be all the big lads. Match. Oh, it would be Sinbad's times five, wouldn't it, really? <laughs> Mick, Mick Johnson. Or Mick Johnson. <laughs> Mick Johnson would be all over that, wouldn't he? <laughs> and Beppe and Gianni. Gianni. <laughs> yeah, Gianni, Beppe yeah. might be a manager if he's lucky. <laughs> or guest commentary. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about the luck. We've got a question on the they coming up later. Um, on the on the beer question, I was just going to answer as well. We appealed to them to sponsor this show, and they they ignored me unfortunately. But Top Rope Brewery, I'll, I'll give them a plug anyway because I'm a good guy. Um, we were going to drink some of their beers throughout this show, but yeah, we could we couldn't come to an agreement, could we? Unfortunately, lads. But they do wrestling themed beers. If anyone hasn't checked them out, they do a, a Papa Mango, uh, which you can probably imagine what that is. There's a a Rowdy Roddy Porter. Uh, and all kinds of other like wrestling themed ones. I think there's a there's an American Dream. There's a Bash at the Beach. Um, what's the Steve Austin? Oh, Cold Stone Cream Austin or something like that. It's called. <laughs> really? <laughs> Again, they haven't sponsored us, unfortunately. Um, really, we just wanted the free creator beer. They wouldn't go for it. But check them out because that's uh, that's all fun stuff. Somebody needs to. Some kind of wrestling promotion needs to start selling their beers. P.S. If they do change their minds, sell up for the creator beer. <laughs> Definitely. Just throw that out there. <laughs> Right, who's up next? Um, oh, this is a... We're getting called out again here. Uh, Carl Gack, uh, at Carl Gack on Twitter, um, has asked, will 2019 see more coverage, as Andy Ogden would say, of the undergrap scene? Are we going to watch more undergraps in 2019? We've been trying, haven't we? I mean, I... I, Carl's a photographer for a lot of different promotions, mm. so I definitely take his opinion on board. He's, uh, But I, th- I think... I mean, we, we've tried, haven't we, this last towards the end of the year i mean i've gone to gpw that this is wrestling show fighting spirit as well i know you guys were gonna go to welsh wrestling unfortunately that didn't happen we actually heard from somebody on twitter today didn't we that went to one of those yeah, shows. It's on, it's on tonight. apparently it's on tonight yeah but yeah it's yeah. one of those things isn't it where it's whether people because i always find like i don't know whether sometimes like when i was talking about this is wrestling and i'm going on for about 20 minutes about this promotion that no one listening is really going to go and watch and wrestlers that people aren't going to watch i think it's interesting to a point but do people other than the 200 people in the room for a lot of those promotions is the their interest i mean people can tell us if they want to hear more of it we can do more of it but a lot of it's to do with the shows we can get to as well i mean all the promotions i just mentioned are, are local to me and that's the reason i went to their shows um i don't know you guys got any feelings on that are you going to try and get some more of those type of type of shows in uh, in 2019 the off the radar stuff yeah I, I have to say for me i mean i it's something actually i'd like to do a lot more of because i think at this state of play and we've obviously been much more downbeat on wwe's um sort of intrusion into the the uk wrestling scene that these promotions carry more weight more uh, now more than at any point in their history and they're a really important breeding ground of places to go to 
I think one of the issues is, is that you do need to go to a lot of these shows live. And a problem that we have is that actually Oxford's is not particularly well served at times for wrestling. And if there's work commitments and the rest of it and family and real life that, that, that kind of enable you not to do it. It's also about, like you say, the is it the people in the room who just want to hear this? I mean, this is stuff that we've spoken about before, perhaps about doing these as kind of specials. Looking that's why at... that's why you cheated on us, JP. That's why you're off with the Eurograps gang. We uh... yeah, <laughs> he just likes the attention of others, doesn't he? That's his problem. <laughs> and I tell you what, Alfie Moon, he likes the attention of others now, doesn't he? I compare him to the wrong person. Christmas <laughs> Day was a tough one for him. <laughs> <laughs> It worked out very badly for him, didn't it? We, talk, um, we talked but, about that, though, didn't we, JP? We talked about doing yeah. like a, when things are a bit quieter on the you know the headline kind of promotion front that we would do a show where we exclusively look at, say, three or four promotions that we don't usually cover, like, say, a, a Future Shock and a Tidal and a, you know, whoever I'm else, you know, insert promotion here. Mm. There, there are loads that we don't get a chance to see, and mm. it's not because we don't want to. But I absolutely love to. And if any of those promoters say, look, do you want to have a look at this show and see what you think and give it a review? More than up for doing it. Hmm. Uh, we may not tell you exactly what we want to, what, what people may want to hear, but um, I'm always up for sort of seeing more of those types of shows because I think in terms of the talent level, they serve a really important base. I mean, one of the things I've, I would like to go and see is GPW at some point hmm. because I like, the idea of what they're doing and in terms of the environment that they've created it's 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 some of the most fun times are going to these kind of much mm. much smaller shows that pcw weekend and oh, with highlight of the year progress it was absolutely awesome mm. all of that stuff is riptide as well you guys went to last year this year oh, i'd yep. love to get a more riptide love that was such a fun show oh, but... it was great I looked at their dates for next year, and it's so hard for me to get to basically every single one of them. It's on a Friday night. It's so hard to get from where we are, um, where we work especially, mm. um, to Brighton. It's not an easy journey. It, yeah, it, it's managing life as well. I've got, We've both got very busy lives. A lot of other commitments outside of what we're doing. This is going to sound pathetic, but the <laughs> roads where we are as well, and oh, the transfers aren't amazing. That hinders the ability to get places yeah. quickly as well, to some extent. So, if you're wanting to get to Brighton, you have to get a train into London and go to what Victoria, and then get yeah. the, and get, then get the train to another train to Brighton. That's dealing with Southern like Rail. It's a three-hour drive from here to yeah. Brighton as well. So it's a really tough one, especially after a long working week and mm. then getting late on a, you know, early hours of Saturday morning as well. Like, I would love to get a Riptide again. Um, what I've watched of their stuff on VOD as well, I've thoroughly enjoyed. I love the production value. I think they've got something really unique going on down there. And I think with a little bit more attention, they would get they, they would be the next promotion to break through. But I just don't know whether it's going to happen mm. um, or, because Brighton is quite a tough place to get to for many people. Mm. Um I'd, yeah, I'd love it to happen. I'd love to get to more, as it as it's put, undergraps stuff as well. But I find that you really have to dedicate the time and find the time to do it. And in amongst having a busy life, other commitments, as well as having, you know, mm -hmm. wrestling as a 
your hobby. There's lots of other stuff I'm into as well. Mm. So it's just finding that time and um, finding the balance as well. I can get kind of, I love wrestling. I don't want to go to wrestling every single weekend. There was a period, I would say, last year where I think I went to a show <laughs> on like seven weekends in a row. And it was kind of like, oh, I need a bit of a break from, from this. And that's not a bad way. Um, it's just because... You know, I need to dedicate time to other stuff as well at times. And, yeah, it hinders us from going. And also the stuff that we want to talk about really is the stuff that is going to get more attention sort of nationally, internationally, um, get more attention online. And mm. I don't know how much attention, say, Tidal is going to get and how many people want to hear about Tidal. Like I've got friends in the US who listen to this podcast because they want to hear about Progress and Rev Pro because that's where the guys who they're really interested in are being booked. Mm. In the same way that if I listen to a podcast about US wrestling, I want to hear about AAW and PWG. I don't want to hear about, I don't know, a backwater Indian Alabama, I suppose. And that's not being kind of... I don't know, um, offensive to a backwater Indian Alabama, but the hot workers are going to be in AAW and, say, PWG. So that's mm. what I want to hear about because those are the guys I want to know about. Definitely. Yep. I mean, it, again, over to you guys. Like, if people want to hear it, let us know. I mean, I will. I think Tidal is one, though. I'll, I'll try just because I'm not that far away. It's something I'll go to live and, yeah. try and give us a bit of a live report. But yeah, if people want to hear more of that stuff, let me know. I toyed with doing like a survey because I always wondered do people enjoy us talking shit? I mean, I think I think based on these questions, people enjoy us talking soaps. Um, I've had positive feedback on us talking non-Brit res stuff. You know, sometimes we do delve into like an Impact or a New Japan. Um, and whether people are, you know, are, are interested in hearing the undergrab stuff. I know the Ogdens are, um, and I know the Carl is as well. So yeah, if uh, let us know, give us your feedback, and uh, I would be interested in, in hearing uh, what people are into I mean, us covering. And also, one of the things, if people are going to a lot of these shows, tell us about them. Tell them if they're really good and they're worth they're worth watching as well. Mm. I, I'm kind of happy for that. I mean, you you know, we went to a good show before, and that was a that was a really in, enjoyable night. Like you say, I'd I'd love to be able to go to, and I think it's much more what I'm trying to do for next year is to go and see more promotions that I haven't seen before. So I'd like to see Future Shock. I'd like to see Tidal. Mm. You know, just try and see a few more promotions that I haven't been able to see before. If you want to send us some tickets, feel free. <laughs> there is that too. Yeah. Um, Gary Mason lowers the tone and asks us, did Rob Lynch where's this ever... going <laughs> did Rob oh, Lynch <laughs> ever make a statement about all that business <laughs> oh. I fired that one back to Gary Mason I've not been on Twitter so he probably knows more so than I do I think the answer is that he did not no he did not JP, do you know his follow-up question? <laughs> I don't know whether I should ask it. Fuck it, I'm asking it. I can, I can censor it later. Top five convicted wife beaters in Brit Res history. Oh, <laughs> why are you hating this question at me? God. Look, no. nobody gets convicted, so, you know, it's a sad I fact. Um... I think Gary Mason has all the answers that everyone <laughs> wants here. There's uh... one answer that I'm not allowed to say. Um... <laughs> There's one oh, no. I off, but I'm not going to be the one to break that. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. 
Let's see what's next. I think Gary is trying to get us in trouble here, isn't he? <laughs> he, really is. he saw me tweet that I'd answer every single question and he knew that that, that was coming. Um, oh. <laughs> um, Sean of the Grinch, uh, friends of the show, asks, which venue on a soap would be best for a wrestling show? E.g., which one would you want to attend the, the most? What so venue on a, on a soap? Mm, she's yeah. mentioned the wrestling in the community centre on Albert Square. Oh, E20. Get out of the E20, get a ring in there. Like many many a banging night down the E20, you know, sight of Saskia Duncan's murder. It'd have to be an adult show. Cover up. You up. It'd have to be an adult show, wouldn't it? Like a like a proper like over eighteens kind of thing. Mate, Gianni on the door, Beppe promoting. Like what a night that would be. Billy Mitchell's one percent ownership in the E twenty as well. We've got a proper night right here. (laughs) It's the new electric ballroom. It's also Lasseter's Hotel. Oh, and Neighbours. Yeah. Do you remember that burnt down? They did. Paul Robinson, not that Paul Robinson, the Neighbours shite <laughs> Robinson. Oh, I know, yeah. Returned to like burn it down or something. Yeah, remember that. He's still in it now. He's awful. Yeah, Stephen Dennis. Had a pop career. He did, didn't he? he yeah, did. yeah, around the same time as Kylie and Jason. I'd, see, if you're doing a show like that in Erinsborough, basically you'd want to do it outside. No, I think there an was wrestling in Neighbours. There to- was. Toady and Connor yeah. were the lawman and something else. Yeah. He had some Irish gimmick. And then Batista was in Neighbours at one That's point. That's right. Do you remember that? But if you're trying to run a regular promotion around Erinsborough and the surrounding areas. It's Melbourne, I, isn't it? Yeah, it is Melbourne. Possibly out to Geelong. That's another conversation <laughs> for another time. But the, what I would say is is you'd want it outside. It looked like good weather in Erinsborough. Barely seemed to piss it down. I do a lot of the shows outside. It sounds a bit backyardy, but I, th- I think you get a bit of an underground vibe. I think you could employ Carl Kennedy to write all the entrance music as well. It'd be like the Jimmy Hart of the promotion, possibly. <laughs> one of his touring band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Harold Bishop is a ring announcer. Apparently, he's a massive perv, so I won't have him anywhere near the Oh, place God. Speaking of Brit Res, I mean. Are <laughs> we talking way. about Rob Lynch and that, all that other stuff just a minute ago? Yeah. <laughs> that was Gary's oh. follow up question was who knew what? Um, but I'm not sure how to answer that. <laughs> oh, God. Um, Matt Dagnall asks uh, Five years have passed. What do you imagine the UK scene looks like? I wonder. I really do. I think a lot of the people who who have been new to British wrestling the last couple of years, I think they drop off. I wonder what's left in five years. I don't think it'll be healthy yeah. for us now. Yeah, I think when we were talking about the old girl gang earlier, I think a lot of them have come into it because it's an easy way to find an identity, and a lot of them are in a bit of an identity crisis, and it's an easy way to find an identity. I think they'll be gone in five years, and they'll be on to the next thing that gives them an identity for a couple of years, to be honest with you. I think we'll still be around in some form. Um, I don't know whether we'll be recording this podcast. I hope we are in five yeah. years. Um, but I'm, well, I'll still be watching, I'm sure. I'll always have an interest. Um but yeah, it's going to be weird, really weird. I hope I hope it's stronger. I hope this is permanent, if anything. But uh, never know. I I think I don't know how you feel about this, Benno, But I think the mm. thing that um, wrestling is always new. This is actually bigger and outside of the UK scene. Is the kind of HBO treatment, the kind of the big kind of series that gives wrestling the kind of artistic merit that we all feel it deserves at some point. And it's hoping that something along those lines has managed to come out that actually kind of has wrestling as 
a scene in this country in the same way that it is in Japan. I always think of what Ollie said in terms of um, Ollie caught on the um, British wrestling experience with you when he, he said about the idea of being able to create a scene. <clears throat> I don't know if that's going to be the case because I think so much of it hinges on are WWE still interested? Are they interested to block enough people off that they feel that, yeah, it's not going anywhere here, so why should we run a loss leader in NXT UK? Mm. I don't see NXT UK still running. I could see them block booking training and holding contracts and stuff like that. That I could still see existing. I think there will be some of the... I, I, I could still see, say, a Rev Pro existing. I don't see ICW or Progress up. Ultimately, I don't see a lot of the program promotions that have affiliations with WWE surviving it. I don't have any faith in WWE not trying to kill them. Yeah, I think it's it's tough, isn't it? Because it's like I couldn't even tell you what it's going to look like in 2020. Never mind further on down the line. I think I think you're right. I think WWE has came and gone. I think that's for me. That's going to be the case in five years. I think we'll be dealing with the aftermath of that. I think the likes of Pete Dunne and the guys that they like will be signed to proper NXT contracts. I don't think NXT UK will be a thing. I don't think ITV World of Sport will be a thing. I don't think Progress will be a thing either. Um, I could see Rev Pro still running, and I could see Indies running, but yeah, I certainly don't see it as high as... Maybe as... Uh, I don't know. I think maybe we're past the peak, and I do think it, it'll be dropping off over the next few years. Okay, we're on the uh, the home stretch then, uh, guys. We've got uh, 10-ish questions to go. Uh, I've tried to answer a question from absolutely everybody, but in this uh, mammoth recording question, I've had to lose a couple along the way, mainly people who've asked multiple questions. So hopefully we'll do another one of these in future uh, and get some of those questions in. But how are you both faring, by the way? You're uh, you keeping topped up on the beer? Or no, have, you, have you got any of those beers left? We're out of beer. Um, J- oh, JP's no. on some Pim's shite. I had a Pims, he prepared me, it was horrible. Sorry. <laughs> you know, it's a waste of good Pims. Do you want mine? I will have yours. I'm sorry. Um, I'm feeling a bit sleepy, well, a bit drowsy, to be honest for you. I'm talking about the drinkers promotion, <laughs> ICW. I might enjoy some. But my, well, should we put some ICW in after we finish recording? Yeah. Because there's one way I'm, I might enjoy it. It might be after uh. a bit of a sesh. <laughs> Yeah, I think I that kind of so. works. No, give it a go, <laughs> experiment a bit. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I'm out of IPA, lads, and I'm oh. going to my Heineken that somebody somebody brought to my Christmas horror movie party last week and left behind. To ask you, uh, that's where I'm at in the world. Uh, on a side note, how did you end up choosing those films? Because a lot of those films I'd never heard of that you chose for your Christmas. Oh, there's. T- there's too much to choose from when it comes to Christmas horror, though. We did watch Grumpy Cat Christmas, which isn't Christmas horror, but it's still a good Christmas movie. Um, Saint is the best Christmas horror of all time. That would be my recommendation to anybody going out to watch it. Um, we watched Santa Jaws just because, well, <laughs> the name, Santa Jaws. I mean, <laughs> you know what you're in for. And to be honest, the name was probably the best part of that as far as being a, a Christmas horror. Uh, Christmas jumper party wasn't very good. Honestly, mate, there's an endless loop of them. If you go on Amazon or Netflix and search Christmas horror, you'll get like 20 films, Re- 20 new films. Rare exports. That's a good one. Watched that a couple of years ago. Very, very good film. Yeah, that's it. Uh, everyone has any recommendations for a party next year, definitely let me know. Um, but yeah, I've been left with the Heineken, unfortunately. So yeah, let's uh, let's wrap this up as quick as we can. Um, last eight or so questions. 
Jeff Ogden asks, um, <laughs> we get a lot of these, who out of Only Fools and Horses do you associate John, Jim and Glenn with? Um, so he's, he's basically saying if you were going to put Del Boy, Rodney or Uncle Albert to one of those three men, who would it be? No, nah, I can't do that. I like Del Boy, Rodney and Uncle Albert too much to tarnish. <laughs> I've been tarnished with, with Glenn Joseph and I'm not tarnishing the good name of Derek Trotter with any of them three blokes because... <laughs> oh, if I've got to compare Jim Sorman to Del Boy, no, just no. Like, I, can you tell how disappointed I feel just even saying this? I get emotional. <laughs> like, I love Del also, Boy. He, uh, JP doesn't like Only Fools and Horses in the no. way that I love it. And, you know, I get emotional watching it sometimes because I, I quite like <laughs> sentiment at times, but JP mocked me for liking the uh, Only Fools and Horses after Grandad died. The uh, Yeah, I'm not a fan. The uh, got two shots. <laughs> <laughs> they just replaced them in one episode. I'm the Mate, they're all boisey. They all took the money. They're all boisey. <laughs> they're all boisey. Yeah, they are. <laughs> there you go. Three boises. I'll say this, and then, um, gonna, and then I'm going to come back with a quick, with a little Christmas surprise related to that. But I'm going to say, John is Del Boy, Jim's Rodney, and Glenn's Uncle Albert. No. Yeah. <laughs> you just wait. Trigger is that bloke who used to do the Progress podcast, Dan Rogers. <laughs> JP has left oh. the room. I don't know what he's doing, but he told me to wait there. Um, he's back. What's he, he doing? Buy you a Christmas present. Oh, cheers! It's awesome. <laughs> he's probably Boise's autobiography. <laughs> oh, brilliant! <laughs> oh. A bit being Boise oh, by John Chalice. Great bit of <laughs> This will go perfectly well with the Peter Crouch autobiography my mum bought me and the Brian Pillman book my brother bought me for Christmas by <laughs> Liam O'Rourke. Ah, oh, cheers. Yeah, Appreciate right that. that. Yeah, I'm well all right with this. Sweet. <laughs> there he is. I saw him once. I went oh. to an episode of recording of the Green Green Grass at um, Shepherd and Studios with mum and dad. Yeah. Cracking night, <laughs> great stuff! <laughs> what a man! Joking. There's a show him. He summed up. <laughs> Perfect timing. We see. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, next question I've got it comes from um, Charlie MMA on Twitter. Charlotte Hopkins. She asks That's Joe, "Why did name, you walk?" It? <laughs> she asks Joe, "Why did you walk around my house in a towel up to the nipples?" P.S. Jones or Gustafson. <laughs> This being my girlfriend, Charlie. Um, well, she remembers my nipples at least, so you know. A... <laughs> you had a rough night the night before a tattoo, Ginger. Fuck me! And I had a great night. Um, was I was good. a bit confused. I was a bit all over the place. It was a tough night. It was a tough morning. Um, <laughs> yeah, we I'm... lied to you that morning and told you that Sonata beat a card for the title. Yeah. I'm surprised she's not asking questions about why I was sick all over her bathroom. But you know, <laughs> the nipples obviously stuck in the mind more so than the um, smell of sick and the damaged toilet did. So you know, that's one bonus to come out of that night, I suppose. Um, I do apologise, and I hope to make it up to you <laughs> at some point. Um, and I. I want my, I want Gustafson to win because Jones is just an absolute cunt. But I, I, it's going to be Jones, isn't it? Let's face it. It's got to be. It's got to be. It's one of those things where, like, yeah, Jones is 
we're all going to constantly wish for him to lose, and it's just never going to happen, is it? He's too good. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I want him to lose, but at the same time, I want that DC fight because I live on the hope that DC will down Jones and justice will prevail. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, follow-up question. Mark Buckledy asks, does Joe still remember that terrible IHOP meal in Orlando <laughs> when he ordered a taxi as Mark Henry? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and... <laughs> yeah i do it was awful my food came before my drink it was uh yeah stale bun uh yeah it was awful um ordered a table name of brock lesnar and a frankie and benny's last week when i went for a christmas meal <laughs> with my students <laughs> did they just treat it like that was your real name they probably believe it, it was me to well, honest, I, uh, we one of the guys it. one of the other teachers that i went with was a massive brock lesnar fan so i did it for his benefit and i turned up and they were like and i, I said like i've got a party of 14 and they said to me is that the table for brock and i was like yeah brock lesnar and uh yeah it made one man laugh very hard and it was worth it for him <laughs> good stuff um lucy d on oh, twitter I don't know who this hell. is it's got a question for Rev Getting Joe. Uh, what do you want for dinner mate. tomorrow? Two inside. <laughs> Hashtag Rev Joe. What do you want for dinner oh. tomorrow? Oh, is it her turn to cook? Oh. Um, well, she she's a very talented cook who makes many dishes extremely well, especially from scratch. And she's also a top girl, and I'd like to say that I love her. So you know, oh. whatever she cooks, I'll be happy with. Oh, very nice. Definitely one. Far too nice. I've got a heart. You do. <laughs> right. Last three questions. Um, Phil Gordon on Twitter on uh, Instagram asks because he doesn't have Twitter. He says he's a man after your own heart, Joe. Uh, so I thought you'd. Uh, we definitely have to ask his question. He wants to know why there's no love for Hollyoaks on our show. He sees her as the NXT of the UK soap <laughs> scene for a while there uh, in the mid to late two thousands. Um, he gives an honourable mention to the short-lived E20 show online. A uh, friend of mine was in Hollyoaks briefly, actually. Um, someone I went to school with. She went out with Gilly, if anyone remembers him. Um, I watched Hollyoaks. Um, I tell you what, Sunday mornings I'd wake up quite hungover. It was on the TV. The omnibus would be laid in bed. Uh, internet connections weren't great in those days. <laughs> it it did a job. That's all I'll say on that one. Oh, God. We've truly hit the madness. <laughs> uh, I had an anonymous question. Um, let's say it came from a, a Will C. No, sorry, that's, that's that gives it away. W. Cooling. Um, would you, would Joe consider participating in one of JP's Eurogas podcasts, being akin to having a threesome, or to being a cuckold forced to do stuff to the bull? Uh, sorry, repeat that? <laughs> I didn't really hear that. <laughs> Would Joe consider participating in one of the Eurograps podcasts with JP being like having a threesome or would it be like being the cuckold, being forced to do stuff to the ball? Uh, it's cuckold. It's absolutely cuckold. Um, <laughs> it would be a foursome if it was anything. And That's I'm not, I, you know, maybe I could maybe think about a bit of polyamory, but I don't know. After watching that Louis Farouk documentary, I think polyamory is... <laughs> Not for me. I'm not, not really <laughs> sure I get it. Uh, um, I'm just going to have to suffer in pain and watch JP just, you know, get off while doing things without me and just live on in pain and, yeah. Does that mean suffer. like you're like that, that bloke with the glasses and the grey hair in the Louis Thu documentary whose name escapes me right now? Heidi. Oh, and... yeah, I know you're talking about. Yeah. 
So I'm Glenn Joseph and I'm him. Yeah. What a night this is. Not good. So it's, it's been a bad few hours. Just turn this into a proper roast. Just carried on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm going to take us home. Um, I've left the best for last. I've left Matty Edwards the last. Uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to get through the full scope of what he's asked us. Oh, my God. Um, but I sent you guys these questions earlier. I don't know if you've had any thoughts. Um, he's asked for some top fives. If we can't do top fives, let's just do a couple of mentions. Firstly, yep. um, though, he's asked us why do we hate Big Show so much and whether we'd like... He gave us a choice of Big Show or Kane. I will say for the podcast, we don't hate Big no. Show. He's just a bit shit. And as is Kane. And if you maybe choose between the two, I'd probably just about pick Kane. But they're both terrible and they've been terrible for a yeah, long time. Yeah, can I also say I'm a massive fan of Big Show Floyd Mayweather? A massive mm. fan of that match. I don't think Kane could ever put anything off like that at all. Mm. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a fan of either. Never have been. Never will be. Like the Mayweather match, the occasional match is all right, but having a few <laughs> all right matches and all right moments in what a, a twenty plus year <laughs> career. Jesus <laughs> Christ! Like. You've been asking for soap comparisons tonight. I'm trying to think of soap characters compared to them. I don't think there's been a long-term soap character that's anywhere near as boring as either of those two. Ken and... Baldwin. No, Ken's well... You mean Ken Barlow? Ken or... Barlow, sorry. You're getting a mix up with Mike Baldwin. I'm, I'm a... Ken's well all right. I'm, I'm, a down, I'm down with Ken. Deirdre, the Mike Baldwin fights back in the day. Peter Barlow, classic stuff. Ken. Compared to the big, that's insulting to Ken. That comparing to the fucking Big Show. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, he's asked for a top five Big Show and Kane matches of all time, but I honestly, Mate, there's not it. five uh, matches those blokes have had worth talking about. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, he's asked for our top five matches ever. I don't know if you give any thought to this. Yeah. Do you have a, a couple that you would you would throw out there? I mean, for me, I'd probably it's hard because I think there's a difference between the best live matches you've seen and the best matches full stop. Um, I'd probably throw Joe Kabashi in there just as the best live match that I ever saw um, there's a lot of Samoa Joe in my top matches of all time him and Necro Butcher is a match I absolutely love maybe not a five star match but a match I can watch over and over again him and Punk 2 another great one Sean and Triple H SummerSlam 2002 that's another one for me um, I'd probably throw one of the Ikada Tanahashi matches in there probably Wrestle Kingdom 12 um, Hogan and Warrior I've got I've got different interests. There's, there's there's quite a few. It's hard to to narrow down to a five. Isn't yeah, it? it really is. Mm. Um, I, yeah, like mine would probably be quite basic choices that would everyone would expect. Really, um, you know, I'm going to do top five live matches. Um, I'd go Michael's Taker from WrestleMania 25 as number one. I was lucky enough to be there for that. Um, I'd go number two would be uh, Night. McGuinness versus Brian Danielson at Unified in Liverpool at the Olympia in 2006, uh, where you can see Benno in the front row uh, losing his shit. <laughs> um, yeah. I'd go Marty versus Osprey at York a couple of years ago at number three, and then I'm struggling for four and five. So there you go. There's a top three of live matches. Vader Osprey. Oh, that was fucking awesome. 
<laughs> not in terms of the work rate, but just the sheer drama and like the moment. Like, and, what the hell is going on? Our hero yeah. Ishii would have to be up there. Ishii Keith Lee would have to be up there as well. Minoru Suzuki versus Ishii this year would probably be up there mm. in some way as well. Um, you know what? The, I was at WrestleMania this year and I loved the, seeing Ronda Rousey in there. That was absolutely brilliant as well. So, uh, yeah, I've been lucky enough to see a lot of good stuff live. Um, top five matches mm. of all time. How long you got? Um, yeah. I can go on forever. I've, I've, I've got a few for me. I mean, I was going to say Michael's take a one. Um, Omega Ricardo one and Omega Ricardo Dominion of this of this year because I've never seen any a match of that length actually do the job that it that you kind of always wanted it to do and it makes me always think that Okada mm. could by the end of his run be considered the greatest wrestler of all time um, mm. Sting Squadron versus Dangerous Alliance I put in there that's like a real nostalgia kick for me absolutely love that match and again another personal one Warrior versus Rude at Wrestlemania 5 because Warrior lost and I never liked him and this is well before all the offensive shit he'd come out with but the fact that Rude beat him I was so happy when I watched that on video <laughs> you're a natural contrarian as a 10 year old yeah you? I was well happy I was like I fucking get in I don't care whether I don't care what Rick Rude's got spray painted across his tights that other bloke's an idiot <laughs> see the thing is with choosing favourite matches now like back in the day I would re-watch stuff over and over because mm. I had so so much more mm. time, whereas now I think yeah. in the last few years there are so many amazing matches that I absolutely loved, and so many matches I've seen live that I've just never rewatched. Mm. So it's hard for them to almost become like my favourite matches ever because I've not got that regularity mm. of like viewing of them. If that makes yeah, sense yeah. in some way, I um, like I think, uh, there are so many matches like. And I think of Japanese stuff, you know, you've got um, one of my favorite matches is Kabashi and Kikuchi against um, Furnace and Crowfoot. Like what an absolutely amazing match that is. Um, but I don't know if it would make my top five, but then I forget about a match like that. And mm. the wild eyed Southern boys against um, uh, what are they? Oh, my mind's gone completely blank. Uh, Midnight Express yeah. in WCW mm. and, you know, that's tag oh, matches. God. And then, I think the Jericho Michaels ladder match doesn't get the praise it deserves. I think that's one of the greatest matches ever. Certainly one of the greatest WWE mm. matches ever, but it's never lauded as such. Mm. Um, yeah, I could go on and on forever on this, so I'll just stop. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, linked into that, have you got a what, what was your favorite wrestler of all time? Like, uh, I would probably, if I was going to, I'm not going to do a top five, but I was going to narrow the list down. I'd probably, I'd still say Shawn Michaels pre coming back. He's probably one of my favourites of all time. I think CM Punk's one. Um, yeah. As much as I, I get the criticism of it, and I don't think his output in WWE was as good as everyone else said, he's always going to remain a favourite for me. Um, Okada and Tanahashi are in there as well. Will Ospreay's become yeah, one as well. Absolutely. Um, so I suppose I have given five there. They're probably my favourites. I had, uh, like you, Tanahashi, I had Punk in there. Austin, again, this is very much time and place. I was at university when Austin became a really big deal, living in Student House where we had cable and access to Sky Sports. So we were able to watch that and watch Nitro as well. It was nuts at the time. Um, uh, Bam Bam Bigelow is always a favourite of mine. I loved his run in ECW. It kind of felt like it was not to say the best he was ever ever booked, really, I suppose, outside of Japan. 
sort of loved him in the triple in triple threat. Loved his his matches with Taz. I mean, again, very much sort of time and place, not of that age. Uh, Tanahashi. Tanahashi for mm. me was all, was like really my gateway into sort of contemporary Japanese wrestling. He was he he was everything that was you'd hear the Cena Hashi stuff that people would occasionally say, and then you watch Tanahashi match and go, no, he's fucking brilliant. What is anyone on about? Um, and it was his match against Suzuki. I think it was at Wrestle Kingdom six. Um, yeah, 2012. Yeah, yeah, just an incredible match. No, you're talking about the no, you're talking about the rematch, the one where there wasn't a fall and sit, like there was no near fall. Yeah, there's no near yeah, fall. That's not the well. Wrestle Kingdom match. That's the rematch they have. Is that the rematch? Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But you know, for me, Tanahashi just in, and the fact he's headlining Wrestle Kingdom this year says so much about that. My favorite wrestler of all time is Rick Brooks. I love a bastard. Fair. Um, for me, my favourite wrestler would be Daniel Bryan from an emotional standpoint. I've never felt more connected and more like, I don't know, like impassioned by a wrestler's run and like runs to the top and like willed someone to get there. And I think that's partly because I was watching him for so long and it was just amazing to see where he was able to get to because I just think we all never thought it was going to happen. Um, it's a shame that this year's comeback has been so kind of, well, let's be honest, he came back because they feared him going elsewhere, didn't they, really? Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think it's kind of been botched and I've, I just find it really hard to watch any WWE at this moment in time. I did love the Brock Lesnar match, though. Um, Chris Jericho is in like, the top five. I think he doesn't get what he deserves in terms of praise. I think he's one of the most mm. diverse, interesting, creative and visionary wrestlers ever. And I don't know if he's going to get that um, in his legacy. But when we always hear about our great Benoit and Guerrero are, I never understand. Yeah, Jericho wasn't as good as those guys in the late 90s, early 2000s in the ring. But in terms of his output over the years, I think he's surpassed them. Um, if I'm honest, you look at the great matches he's had over the years as well. I think he's an absolutely amazing mind, and I think he deserves to be appreciated on the level of, say, a Ric Flair, if I'm honest. Um, Michaels is in there. Austin's in there. Osprey's in there. Kabashi's in there. Um, Someone we've not spoke about is probably an unpopular choice. I love Edge. Mm. Something about Edge carried SmackDown during a certain... Matthew put the question in, loves Edge. Yeah, he, Yeah, he kept me watching... Smackdown for years because he was interesting, he was carrying the show there was something about him that made engage me in watching the show one of my biggest mark out moments ever was when he beat Cena with the uh, money in the bank oh yeah, the the first cash in yeah, I went absolutely mad I think it was he was the first guy I saw sort of rise from the tag ranks and come up into that main event position it was quite cool to see that I suppose it was Um, very much an authentic fan choice it was yeah. only if the fans themselves were behind it, even if you always knew that the bookers never thought of him as being their top guy. Well, he wasn't given chance after chance, no. like I say a Randy Orton would be. He wasn't oh, handed it. And it, was a, it was during the age where people started to notice. They think about Orton's face run when they turned him and how much oh. it failed. It's one of the first runs that absolutely fell on its face, I think, during that era where the booking started changing slightly mm. because of the fan reaction. Um God, I could go on forever with this. Um, let's do a whole <laughs> podcast about this one day. There you go. 
Definitely, yeah. We'll try and get to more of Matty's uh, top fives if we do another one. Um, do you want to end on on one of these? Is there any of them you wanted to answer particularly? I had uh, top five soap characters in mind for you, Joe, if you wanted oh. to uh, take us out on that, unless you wanted to talk the TV show. Oh, I feel like the soap stuff is becoming overexposed at this point. Um, uh, let's save that one for another the people, It's clear what the people want. Yeah. Um, well, let's say that for another time. We'll keep, you know, we won't give them what they want all the time, just like Vince McMahon doesn't give the fans what they want. Money's the in the chase, so, isn't it, Joe? Yeah, you can keep coming back for that. Keep yeah. chasing to me for those far, top five. I was going to say top TV, <laughs> top t- top five TV. That'd be a good way to end out on. Um, go on then. I, I, I'll go first. I'll go with, I mean, for me, I think that mine's dead. I like a look at it and like I watch a lot of TV. But then I look at my top five and it's the predictable stuff. For me, it's The Wire, it's The Sopranos, it's Breaking Bad. I'm that fucking dick who gets it. It's like, oh, have you not watched Breaking Bad yet? You're not The Wire yet. Better Call Saul's probably up there. I think I might actually like that better than Breaking Bad. And I also love Seinfeld. I love It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, yeah, mine's a bit predictable, really. How about you guys? Um, For me, <clears throat> yeah, The Wire and The Sopranos are absolutely in there. Um, I'm going for The Bill. Um, <laughs> which I absolutely love, um, especially the uh, the early gritty episodes that are like real social realism and very experimental television at a time where television was kind of, or drum was kind of finding its feet still. Not the Jim Carver on the tear. Yeah. Oh, mate, I love that stuff as well. It's fucking awesome. Um, what else would be in there? Only Fools and Horses we spoke about. I'm Alan Partridge. Um, I love... Um, the People versus OJ Simpson. I think that's a spectacular program. I watched that twice all the way through. The Office, the thick of it. Uh, I spoke about how I don't watch American sitcom earlier. The one American sitcom that I absolutely love and adore is Curb Your Enthusiasm, which I think mm. is oh, that's great. incredible. And in a way, I think I've been massively influenced by in terms of things that I kind of just say in the way that Larry David might say them, except Larry David's a multi-millionaire who earns millions a year from Seinfeld royalties, so he can get away with saying stuff. I'm not Larry David, so I should probably watch my back at times, watch what I say. Uh, Our Friends in the North, which is <laughs> yeah. a BBC show from the 90s, which is all about the uh, failure of left-wing politics and is like a development of politics through society and Every episode is set in a different election year from the 60s through to the 90s. It's an absolutely incredible program. It's where Daniel Craig got his break as well. Uh, playing a mm. Geordie. Um, State of Play, which is another mini series that BBC did in the early 2000s. I'm a massive TV buff, I suppose. And Grange Hill, there's another one that was yeah. a massive influence on me as a kid as well. So. Something I remember fondly. Um, yeah, the office, the thick of it. Uh, I can carry on. You, yeah, you fellas have kind of covered the the bulk of them. A couple of <laughs> ones I, I chuck in there. Game of Thrones, I like. Um, ah, the last season wasn't great though. I'm scared no, about the final season. There are times that program has made me feel more excited about a television program in a way that lots of others have never even See, hit near I've that. I've got an opinion on this, so. <laughs> not like you now hbo right so the sopranos and the wire for me yeah. are the rock and austin of hbo yeah right they are mm. ultimate right <laughs> and the rock and austin went away and wwe we're trying to make these other stars right <laughs> and then we've got game of thrones and boardwalk empire 
And I kind of feel like Randy Orton is the boardwalk empire of HBO. And John Cena is kind of like the Game of Thrones to a certain extent. But then, do you get what I'm saying? I do get what you're saying, and it's, it's making me kind of worry. <laughs> if, the liking Game if of Randy Thrones. Orton was a TV series, I'd never finish it. So that kind of fits the boardwalk empire. Game of Thrones empire, is empire. easier than Sopranos. But yeah, like you, yeah, Randy Orton for me is John from Cincinnati. It should be. He should have been one series and fucking cancelled. But I loathe Randy Orton. I feel like Absolutely. Triple H is like the six feet under. Like it's he's pretty good, but he's not quite the wire of the Sopranos. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's not quite there on the same level. And then I, I was thinking about what what's the Brock Lesnar? Who else did you have alongside uh, Randy Orton and Cena when HBO were looking for their next big line? Is he the Westworld or is that that's probably Roman no. Reigns? I say that's Roman Reigns. They're looking for it to be a hit, but I'm not sure it's quite translated in the way they want it to translate to audiences. It's not caught on in the way they're hoping. You look really angry about that. No, I'm completely like <laughs> it's completely blown my fucking mind. Yeah. Having having come to think of that as well, because I really, you know, I really like Westworld. Um, Yes. Oh, I can't stand Westworld. It's a difficult one. Well, you're both wrong. I haven't um, seen it. It, 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 it. I love it. Um, oh, this is really difficult because with Lesnar, it'd have to be one that's a kind of almost like a show that's always been there. And hate- He's Deadwood. No, because Deadwood was popular. I mean, it just got cut. Uh, they didn't finish Deadwood. Okay. But... Mm. And, you need the comeback. Well, they yeah. talked for years about Deadwood coming back and them doing a last oh, series yeah, or a mini series or a film. film. He's Deadwood. Hmm. There we go. No. I... JP's <laughs> not convinced. I'm not I'm not convinced. I'm I'm kind of wondering ultimately, is he gonna end up being something oh, just, oh. let me think on this one. <laughs> this one takes time and really deep thought. Unlike the EastEnders um Brookside War Games match, which seemed <laughs> <laughs> Almost an easy kind of like the thing we've been building our lives up to here. I still wish we had <laughs> really put that one. That, <laughs> yeah, that would be it. Um, and also, just to add on, any other TV programs? Sorry, man. Sorry, uh, Brass Eye Jam and Crime Watch. Crime Watch. Mm. Hey, Crime Watch. <laughs> Seriously, there were times that program. Jitmily, mate, you shit your pants and convince yourself that there was. <laughs> The, the, the photo fits in a lab. It, it's not as good as it was in late years. That sounds like I've ripped that off Peter K. It was kind of right. It's not as good as it I used to be. That. And changing around the host as well. But it was the way that Nick Cook would say, don't sleep, don't don't have nightmares, do sleep well, which kind of meant have nightmares. I, I, I Honestly, <laughs> terrifying program. My mum loved it. I was well into it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Oh, do you know what? I forgot to mention my favourite TV shows. EastEnders. Oh, of That's the number one. Benno, I just ask, I'm surprised your favourite TV shows aren't Bread, Brookside and Boys from Blackstaff. <laughs> Unbelievable. There we go. <laughs> We've gone through all of 2018 without that. I'm having to resort to... With, 
of those, only Brookside is the one that I was really kind of into. I, I kind of vaguely remember Bread. I remember, I mainly remember the intro more than anything, but I don't remember watching <laughs> oh. it in, <laughs> in any great detail. But yeah, I'd share some of your choices there, JP, for me. I'd probably throw in Generation Kill. That was a great I thought you were going to say the Generation show. game for a second. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Better than Crime Watch, I'd say. No, that. it is. It's, uh, but yeah. <laughs> I love him and her, Louis, Master or None. Great oh, shows. Right, but we're not to like that anymore. That's a, that's yeah. problematic. Yeah. There is a, there is an issue. Great piece of art, I would say. And that um, what Horace and Pete was it that he did uh, right before he was cancelled? Oh, yeah. That was yeah. a good show too. Um, and while I mentioned David Sam before, I love Treme too. That's another great. I show. couldn't get I couldn't yeah. get into that. I don't know what it was yeah. about. It tips the wire really. It's the wire, but with less death and a much less interesting kind of setup. But it's still great. It's still that David Simon thing where he creates a world, and that's what I love about him and what he's he's done this year with the Deuce as I've well. Not watched um, the underrated, I'd say. Try, give another yeah, go no, I'll, I'll definitely watch the Deuce at some point. I think it's Ed Burns' absence. I think because Ed Burns wasn't present for a lot of season five of The Wire as well, and season five of The Wire for mm. me is a noticeable fall from mm. season one to yeah. four of The Wire, which is um, New Japan twenty thirteen to twenty seventeen. You know, it's uh, <laughs> it really is like not. A t- yeah, there you go. Bad, but, yeah, yeah, it's a bit. Yeah, there's a couple of weird plot twists, like the serial killer bit, Kevin Omega's reign. You got no, I'm fine. The Omega reign's been over four, if you ask me. You got your. It's ju- not that bad, you got but your... it's it's not it's not a Carter's reign. Yeah, but New Japan. Let's think about it. He won it in June. Then we get G1. Then the shows in kind of September, October. They're kind of eh, they not matter so much. Not sure Ricardo's matches during that. I suppose the Marafuji matches yeah. was amazing during that month. But I think it's being over four. I think we just need to calm down a little bit. You know, it's <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, let's hope it's the wire season four and not the wire season five. That's what we can yeah. we can all wish for. Ugh. Guys, we've been talking for about four yes. hours. <laughs> Anything else before we go? I've got nothing left to give people, and I said not that much. <laughs> So yeah, I, I'm done. Joe, I'm really tired. Um... <laughs> thank you for all the questions, and thank you for all of the ones we. And sorry for the ones we didn't get round to say to answering as well. I had a look through them. I kind of resolved I wasn't going to answer to any of these until after we recorded the show. So um, once the show's out, if there is any of these, I wouldn't mind having a, even a, a bit of an answer because there's stuff on there that that is really interesting. Um, that, that I wish we'd managed to get to. And, and thanks to everyone who spent the time sending them in. Absolutely. Yep, so the, that pretty much brings us to the end of the show. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at BenSirRichardE. Follow JP, at JPGP. As you've heard on this show, you can't follow Joe on Twitter, nor will you ever be able to. Um, follow his brother Sam, though. We gave his Twitter out earlier on. That's a good follow. <laughs> um, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah we're all very tired it's been four hours hopefully it's been a, a worthwhile uh show i imagine i've split this thing into two um but yeah we'll be back with our our regular shows into january keep an eye on the indycorner.com keep an eye on the indycorner twitter feeds for more news about what we're going to be doing next that's it for us for 2018 we'll catch you again soon. happy new year and bye that was awkward <laughs> <laughs> bye guys Oh,
match, a main event anywhere in the world, and we're so fortunate to have it right here, live at Revolution Pro Wrestling. Tyler Bates has kicked down Suzuki. There's a taste of your own medicine. Mustache Mountain on fire. Power driver. New champions. We have a live weekly British wrestling television series, Five Star Wrestling Live on Freeform. Tyler Bates has kicked down Suzuki. There's a taste of your own medicine. Mustache Mountain on fire. Power driver. New champions! Chest of Mark Davis has been opened up by those chops from Volta. He learned. Oh, Jesus! Team Defiant wins! IPW's reign of terror is defiant, is over! Burning Hammer and Sickle and the Torpedo Moscow! Champion! Absolute Andy has won 60 carats. Are you kidding me? See, looking for it. Brian Buster! Who can I like? Serious. 
WWE Universe has been waiting for this moment, and the moment has arrived. This is NXT UK. On our fourth anniversary, right here at the National Stadium in Dublin, if Osprey can pull off the impossible, if he can beat the ring general and take the OTT title. Now Walter is climbing to the second, to the top, takes five. That's it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why we love WXW. This is why we love wrestling. And this is why we love you, the fans, the people. Hello everyone and welcome to World of Pro Wrestling. I am the best Attendance record 